what's up everybody welcome to another episode of downtime with downstar episode 83 today 83 83 bro we're cooking Yay. cooking lasagna in this right. bitch yeah let's go today is a special episode bro i'm really really excited about this dude because you're one guy that i've been wanting to talk to for oh, a while we, we always get I'm that flatter. two minute conversation here and there <laughs> but uh we're sitting down with mickey from throttle mickey what's up bro what's up frank thanks for having me i'm stoked to be here only the special that's, ones. That's real loud. <laughs> Only the special ones get the cowbell, nice, bro. I appreciate that. Dude, I appreciate you, bro. You uh, you made a little trek this morning, man. Yep. Drove up from San Diego and uh, was I was a little scared because I Googled it yesterday. It was about three and a half hour drive. Yeah. But once I got on the road, it was actually only like two hours and some change so yeah at that time dude it's it's nasty during the day you know no, but smooth it, sailing this morning yeah if you come in the morning it's cool and i used to do this drive as i told you previously when i yeah, worked at AccuWare. Me. i used to cruise right by this exit a couple times a month so. so from san diego to slow you used to make that drive four hours flat wow that's that's really good to <laughs> well, be honest yeah, i would leave at uh i would leave at 4 a.m wow so and, I'd get through LA before the sun even came up, and I'd be pulling into slow San Luis Obispo. Yeah, at, you know when the sun was coming up. It was the perfect time because there's no traffic. So was this like a, a Monday through Friday thing, or how did that? How did it even work out? No, so we'll get into I uh, probably my yeah, history yeah, yeah. of work in the in the industry. But uh, while I worked at Acuary, they're based out of San Luis Obispo. I was living in San Diego at the time. They wanted me to come work for them. We had to make a gentleman's agreement that. You know, I was a full-time employee, and I had to be there twice a month, basically, for, oh, okay. for a got couple you, days each you, time. Got you. And so I was making the drive from San Diego back and forth. I could do that drive in my sleep at this point. So yeah. when you said where you were, I was like, ah, that's nothing. Dude, thank you, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. I always say on this show is that like time is the only currency that we really have, dude. And for you to, to give me shit over seven hours of your time man. i really really appreciate it small price to pay thank you man so um for anybody that doesn't know you give us a little intro in uh the mind of mickey oh boy um yeah so i'm a lot older than i look as you, <laughs> you found look good. out today you look really good um so i've been doing this for a long time um I started playing with cars when I was 15. I'm 42 now. Um, grew up in Akron, Ohio, where there's really not much of a car scene. Uh, the car scene there was mostly, in my day, growing up, uh, old hot rods and a lot of Fox body Mustangs and yeah. Camaros. And I was the first dude to sort of, in that area, to sort of grab a Honda Civic. And uh, I didn't have a lot of money. You know, just turned 16 or whatever, just got my first car, paid for it myself. It was a 88 Honda Civic hatchback, um, base model. It's three grand, I think, at the time. So it was an 88. I bought it in 1990. I guess it would have been 1994. So it's still, That's still a pretty new, car, new yeah. car back in six years old. I think it was three grand out the door. No way. <laughs> <laughs> back then, that's stupid cheap. Dude. Yeah. So I bought the car, took it home. And I remember it was a manual. I couldn't even drive it home. I didn't know how to drive a stick. Yeah. So my dad had to drive the car home for <laughs> me. And that obviously spawned the learning how to drive a stick and, and all that stuff. And I, I still remember vividly one morning uh, my dad coming up to 
my bedroom waking me up. Boom, boom. Get up. Your uh, your car leaked fluid all over the floor in the garage. You need to fix it. I was like, oh, shit. What is it? So we go out there, and he's like, ah, it's your radiator. Um, what are you doing today? I like, yeah, I'm fixing my car, I guess. And so he kind of helped me take the radiator out, showed me where to take it. We got it brazed, I think, it fixed. Mm-hmm. They repainted it black, and we stuck the stock radiator back in. And um, Yeah, I guess I owe it to my dad. So now... I'm doing got stuff you for hear. a living, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so sick, man. When when you were telling me earlier that you were from Ohio, I had no idea, man. Yeah. So what what is well, you were born in Ohio. Yeah, born and raised in Akron, Ohio. Well, a suburb of Akron, Ohio, which I say Akron just because a lot of people know of Akron because of LeBron James and all that stuff. Oh, okay. But she went to college in Akron and then uh, I graduated in two thousand two. Tried to sort of find my way after college for about a year and just realized that I was in the wrong community for what I wanted to be doing with my Mm -hmm. life. Which Um, was automotive? Which was automotive. Um, By this time, I had just purchased a a brand new 99 Civic SI, Flamenco Black model. I got one of the first ones in the area. Like I went to the dealer, traded in everything I owned for it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my dad thought I was crazy. He's a hot rod guy. Um, it was neat to have a brand new car at that age and something that to me was desirable in the first B16A car other than the Del Sol. Yeah. Um, I was a hatchback guy, but I bought a coupe because it had to be 16 and I wanted it. So it was a brand new car. So I got that and that sort of fed my flame to sort of uh, start building bigger type builds than I was doing. It was the Civic I built... the the hatch I built to sort of keep up with my buddies that had Fox bodies and stuff. So I actually put a 150 shot of nitrous on that <laughs> and blew it. No shit. Yeah. Um, never told my dad, just blew it up, fixed it one weekend with my buddies and got rid of the nitrous kit. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I was just trying to figure things out, trying to go faster. And, um, that was what I had available to me. So that's what we did. And, but once I got the 99, I was like, well, let's be a little more diligent about how I build this car. And it was like when Toda sort of started coming into its fame here in the States, um, a local tuner shop called Rim and Trim, <laughs> funny name, but uh, <laughs> they, they were actually able to get Toda parts. Wow. Uh, and then I kind of got the Mugen bug as well. So I started buying from uh, you know these parts from those guys and... Uh, the car actually came out really good. The Mugen bits and stuff for for Ohio. That was like everybody was still putting fiberglass wide bodies, and at that time, that was the cool thing to so do. So, what year was this? This would have been like two thousand. Okay. Oh shit. Or late ninety nine. So, um, the car turned out really clean. I loved it, and that car, me selling that car, actually funded my move to California. I remember I bought the car for sixteen thousand eight hundred sixty six. No, eighteen thousand eight hundred sixty six dollars. And I sold the car for I think seventeen grand. Five years later. Wow. To move or four years later to move to California. I used the money that I made off the car. I had paid the car off, made took that money, and that was my moving money to California. So about two thousand four you moved to California? Uh, yeah, late oh three, early oh four, yeah. How old were you at that time? I would have been Oh man, that's a tough question, bro. I would have been twenty three. So you spent a lot of time in Ohio. 
Yeah, 23 years. Yeah. So what was what was it like growing up in Ohio? Can you paint that picture? Yeah, I'll try to keep it as quick as possible. I mean, it was a very rural place uh, where I grew up. Akron was the city, so that was like the urban area. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great car friends there. The, the import scene was starting to boom at that point. Um, it was getting a lot bigger. A lot of guys into Subarus, Hondas, uh, Mitsubishi Eclipses. Those were very popular back then because of Fast and Furious. Yeah. Um, to paint the picture, I would say the, the community was basically, to me, was as ripe as it had ever been. So it was really cool to be a part of that scene before I took off. And ironically enough, I was at a... Um, I was at a, a car show two, three weekends ago in Southern California, and I saw a gentleman who had enlisted in the in the military, was wearing a uh, a shirt from Ohio's car scene that said uh, "Superfly Sundays," which was something that I was a part of creating back in the early two thousands. It was oh. a car meetup that happened every Sunday in this area, and it's since moved, but it still exists to this day. So you know, 15 years later or whatever it is, that thing's still going on. It was something that I was part of starting, which is really cool to me. I, You told me about your your tape over there, which <laughs> yeah. you guys aren't privy to, but uh, so, same sort of feeling I had inside of me. I was like, dang, that's cool. It's crazy <laughs> to see, like, where you've come from, huh? I, I don't... I really don't know how to, like... I really don't know how to answer that. I, I don't look at it. To me, time goes by really slow and i don't know why that is inside of me like my internal clock mm-hmm. it feels like just yesterday that i was i guess still there and it's been you know since oh three oh four since i moved out here it doesn't feel like that long to me it still feels like it's just a recent thing yeah so i don't know it's i guess it's just my mentality so yeah i was just uh when we just got back from hawaii and mm. when we uh when we came back i was trying to get back on schedule and it's like two in the morning and i cannot <laughs> sleep dude ah. so um we're supposed to be going up to lake tahoe in a couple weeks to go camping because we used to go there as kids and yeah. my um my parents they're taking my nephews and everybody's gonna go so we're, we're gonna head up there and go awesome. go visit them and um, I used to live in northern Nevada for about three or four years. Oh, wow. So in a city called Gardnerville, it's right outside of Carson City, which is in the valley of Lake Tahoe. Okay. So if you're in Gardnerville, you look in the mountains and you can see all the ski resorts at oh, night lit up sick. and stuff like that. So I was just on my phone and I, I was trying to remember if I can find, just from zooming in without putting it in an address, find my old house. Oh, yeah. And then I found it, and then I went on Google Earth, and the Google Earth gives you like the the where you could drop the person and yep. see the streets. So yep. I dropped myself in there, and it's just like it just clicked right back to me. Like, dude, this is crazy. Like, I never think about this part of my life. Yep. But this was a significant part of my life. Yeah, all the memories come back and quick, dude. Yeah. And the the reason that I looked it up is because. Um, I want to take my son to the skate park that I yeah. used to go to when I was a kid, dude. That's cool. And uh, I was looking up the skate park, and it still looks pretty legit, dude. So I'm stoked to go down there. That's maybe something that he won't really understand today, maybe. But yeah. in 10, 15 years, he's going to look back and be like, oh, that's cool. Definitely, that's my dad's man. spot when and he was a kid. I think 
once I get there, it's going to be such a weird feeling, man, because I remember being at that skate park and we'd left from here in 2004 and I didn't come back till about 2007. So I, I moved over there with little to no friends. Okay. I had my cousin that lived there, but when I started working at Best Buy, then I met a couple people. But you're talking like from a lot of friends down here in Oxnard to moving there and maybe mm-hmm. like a handful of friends. So <laughs> I would go to that skate park and I can go a whole day without talking to one person. Really? I had my iPod shuffle. Just jamming. What was it, like five, fourteen megabytes? Or <laughs> it was megabytes. It wasn't gigs. Yep. I had that shit filled with like all kinds of emo music, warp tour music and stuff. <laughs> and I would just pop it on and just it's try to real. skate and try to do what I could do. And I, I wasn't even busting out, dude, you know, just riding around yeah. and stuff. But it's gonna be a crazy feeling to get there and just to, to fast forward however many years to see where, where things have come. Yeah, it's it's insane. I, I actually have a trip back to Akron next weekend. No shit. I'm just going back. I haven't been back in years. Um, and every time I go back, I trip out on how things have changed. Like, you remember getting off this off-ramp, and this was this building was there, this building was there. And I go back there now, and it's totally different, especially the University of Akron area has changed so much um, since my time there. I go there, and I almost don't even recognize it anymore. It's but the house I lived in is still there, which is rad. Really? So I did, like you, I do the same thing and drop myself. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, I remember that spot. And It's know. good to find those businesses and houses that still look the same. But it's crazy. It's when, 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 those, when those properties change or when a new business comes in or a new street they pave or whatever. It's like every memory that you've had is just away. gone. Yeah. Those memories are gone. It's, it's a little saddening at times, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. So. It kind of makes me, in, in my older age now, it makes me like want to focus on the time that you have in front of you, the memories that you're having at that time. Yep, for sure. And trying to appreciate them at that time rather than in the future looking back like, damn, I wish I would have enjoyed that time when I was there with my family or whatever, you know? Yeah, you're wise beyond your age, brother, because it took me until about two years to sort of have that revelation in my life and uh i cherish the time i spend with people a lot more now because you're not going to get that back and you don't realize it until yeah you're halfway down the road but yeah and living the lives that we live every day doing something you know monday to monday just busy grinding meeting these people it's it's so easy to just get wrapped up in everything and and just let life go by Yep. I find myself doing it daily at the shop. I'll get into one of the project cars and I'll be working and somebody will stop by the shop to drop something off or to say what's up. And I got to take a second and be like, you know what? Put the wrench down. Go have a chat because you don't know. Mm -hmm. You don't know. You may not have that chat. You may have the opportunity to have that chat in a week or the next day or whatever. And that's something I think in your youth you kind of take advantage or you take it for granted so definitely definitely take it for granted man so now as i got now that i'm old i slow down (laughs) that's good dude and that's 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 one thing that i that i like to talk about on the podcast is is lessons that i've learned in life so hopefully people listening they're definitely going to go through those same lessons yeah and you know this is the way that it worked out for me and maybe you can take that into consideration for however you decide to handle things yeah yeah for sure but even even meeting people at car shows and and talking to them i know that it's they're gonna remember this 
probably longer than I'm gonna remember. It's mm-hmm. just it's just mathematics, dude. I meet so many people all the time, and I'm trying to put everything together. But yeah. no matter if if I remember that specific person or their name or. I want this interaction that I have with them to be memorable, to be memorable, to mean something to that person. So when I'm done having this conversation with this person, they leave from there and think like, wow, that was, that was cool. He didn't have to do that. Yep. It's everything they wanted it to be. I had a recent moment where, um, peak, uh, coolants, you probably used it. They brought us out to an NHRA race and I met, um, a guy that I've looked up to for years and years and years, John force. He's a, legendary drag racer i'm finding that guys in their early to mid 20s have no idea who he is to me he's the michael jordan of drag (laughs) racing like um he's an epic legend and a lot of people have told me in my day don't ever meet your heroes Mm -hmm. because oftentimes they don't live up to your expectations and it can be a little disheartening well i met john force and i posted this on instagram he was everything that i wanted him to be and more he was such a cool dude um he did what we're talking about he slowed down even though he's in the middle of a a race weekend he sat down at a table and asked questions about me it wasn't me talking to him it was a 50 50 conversation Mm -hmm. of us going back and forth i cherished that um there was something that i didn't anticipate i thought i'd shake his hand maybe get an autograph and he'd be on his way but no he actually is like wanted to learn about me and what made me tick that was cool and so now that i've learned that from him i'm taking that and yeah i want to be able to do the same thing to people that i meet or someone that may look up to me at some point yeah and ever since i've met you bro you've always been a really friendly guy you know there's i've had those examples of people that that they're online and they're influencers or whatever they are mm-hmm. doing their own thing and mm-hmm. then when you meet them you're just like ah like i was kind of a dickhead you know <laughs> but <laughs> every time i've met you dude you were you were always really really cool dude and also when i when i posted up yesterday that uh kind of alluding to you being on the podcast i had a couple people say that yeah i met mickey he's such a cool guy oh, you cool. know it's like it, it you understand it that's good man that's yeah. good to hear because it, it really did uh you know, John Forrest wasn't the only guy that I've had that experience with. I, I'm an avid ice hockey player, and I've met quite a few talented ice hockey players that play the, a higher level than myself, and uh, sort of got the same. And it's different, I think, from hockey players are very down-to-earth people in general. So I think it's sort of natural, but to get that from John was really cool. And it was just another reminder of that seed planet again, that slow down, take your time enjoy the interaction you have with people Mm -hmm. because it goes a lot longer a lot longer or further than the interaction you have with your car or anything else like an inanimate object that yeah at the end of the day you feel good about it but you can feel better knowing that maybe you've i don't know made somebody smile or changed their life in some way shape or form which is really really powerful yeah i um i remember going to car shows when i was barely starting out and you pass by booths and stuff and the guys would be just sitting in the back lounging unapproachable just looking at me Mm -hmm. and not sometimes not even looking Mm -hmm. having their conversation whatever i'll look at the parts i'll look up look at the parts i'll walk away and that's it yeah that's the last time you'll probably make that gesture again yeah i won't buy the product or even stop by again unless you meet them offline 
but I've had guys that I walk by and they interact with me, ask questions. Sometimes I'll buy something just to buy it, just a keychain or whatever. So this leads me to a story. Let's That's okay. It. This is your podcast. Hey, but. bro, we can talk for five hours. <laughs> I don't give a shit, dude. We'll All break right. it up in three parts. <laughs> okay, so I've been around the Honda community for a long time. Uh, when you came on the scene, I was very aware. Um, really? I mean, yeah, you were making noise, so of course, yeah. Um, I was already out here in California, and uh, I think at the time we we met the first time, that's where this story is going. You don't remember meeting me, I'm sure. Um, but we were at the Queen Mary at... Weekfest. It was Weekfest, mm-hmm. yeah. And you, my BMW wagon that I built happened to be uh, sort of across the aisle from your booth, but... I had just built a BMW wagon, but I still in my head I'm a Honda guy, right? So like, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go check out Frank's car because he has an SIRS, which I also have. Um, and I remember when I got the car, I didn't, I knew what it was, but I didn't really understand like, sort of all the details of what an SIRS actually was and how rare they actually are. That they only made three thousand of them. They're only available in Japan. Blah blah blah. It was just neat that you had one. And I had seen it online that you had it and rebuilt it. So I came over to your booth and you were still sort of setting up. So you were busy um, getting your booth ready so that you could sell things to people at the event, which was about to start. But you did step aside from your booth. And I think you had your wife or your girlfriend at the time there. She was helping. You took probably 20 minutes of your time and actually talked to me about the SIRS and like what you'd done to yours and... Mine was, I think, at that point in time, wasn't even done yet. I was still just kind of working on it. And um, I took that away. Um, and I always knew that I was going to buy a product from you at some point, just because you did take that time away from your booth, setting up and getting ready for the show to talk to me about your car. And of course, talking about our cars is fairly easy because <laughs> yeah. we're excited about them, right? But you had other better things you could have been doing. And that, to me, was cool. So it's come full circle that's crazy that's basically man. what i'm getting at yeah dude thank you bro and this was yeah. you know before throttle before i mean i didn't introduce myself i might have just said hell yeah i got one of these cars too blah 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 and you still stood aside and took your time which to me that means a lot dude yeah yeah so it's cool that's awesome man i appreciate that dude and like i appreciate everybody that comes to talk to us to stop yeah. by the booth to share whatever they have to share it's important because there are a lot of people and i i've done this myself early on when i have worked at a few few different brands that we would do events and i find myself not being outgoing and you kind of have to snap out of that because people remember that stuff yeah i remember your booth has those images that are over there on the thing of you guys looking all gangster and stuff <laughs> yeah. and i was like i don't know if i really want to talk to this guy because i don't know if he's my style <laughs> But yeah, it turned out to be not not too much different than myself. So pretty cool. Thank you, bro. Hell yeah, dude. I always keep that into mind, man. It's not it's not something that doesn't come natural to me. When I go to a show and somebody will stop by, like like you said, I'll make sure that I I ask them questions mm-hmm. rather than having them ask me things because mm-hmm. I can understand it. Still to this day, when I go to try to talk to somebody that I look up to or I appreciate what they do, like I, I get a little nervous, mm-hmm. you know. Sure, and sure. I hope that the interaction goes well, so I can see it in the people that will come talk to us. Mm-hmm. And we've had our business has grown 
in front of everybody's eyes yep. since since the day I'd and i was so. telling you upstairs it's just like i i never had anybody that really gave me any any insight anything like hey you should do it this way that way i've just had people been critical of me and that's it and i've just had to learn this by myself yep so i've i've went through like some bumpy roads and i've seen and people have seen that you know so i know that some people they already have this idea about who we are what we do and what we represent yeah so when they come and they want to come talk to us i want to make sure that they have the best interaction mm -hmm. because i'm still trying to deal with issues that happened three four years sure, ago sure. that people still have this stigma of who we are and yep. what we represent yeah, and I think you'll always get that. It's just what can you do today to help and continue to help the situation? And it seems you're doing that. Yeah, and I'm trying every day. You know, it's just that I've grown as a person, yeah. as we all have. And I think that at the end of the day, that's all that I can really ask from somebody is just to give me that opportunity yep. to make that second impression on yep. you or at least take, take who I am as as the person rather than what somebody has said or what sure. you thought yeah. you know yeah i mean we all are guilty of just seeing an image or uh, hearing from a third party that oh this guy's a dick or whatever and then just oh yeah so and so told me that guy's a dick <laughs> they go well you know what maybe i should find out for myself yeah you know because maybe he's not that bad maybe the guy was having a bad day yeah and that happens to all of us and that's one thing too is that sometimes i gotta step back and think like yeah well maybe that dude was having a bad day that day and give them the credit mm -hmm. that i would expect somebody to give me yep bit of a second chance eh? yeah so you uh you do some meet and greets every <laughs> once in a while yeah how do how does that feel when you do something like that you know man uh this whole you know throttle and youtube and it's all sort of come you know pretty quickly it, it's been three years and I, a lot of people step back and look at us and they may have just heard of throttle you know two months ago or a year ago and it looks like it was like an overnight thing and um you know the youtube channel blew up overnight and all that stuff and I think we're approaching 450,000 subscribers on YouTube, which Dude, is... congrats, bro. None of us saw this coming. In fact, I stayed off... When we started our YouTube channel, I stayed off the camera for almost a year and a half. Really? I did not want anything to do with it. Um, it's just not... It's not the vibe I wanted to give off. Um, I didn't want to look like I was searching for attention, that sort of feeling inside of myself. I, I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, finally, a couple... You know, TJ was TJ Hunt was one of the the main guys that was he started putting me in his videos, um, his YouTube channel videos, where I was building his RX-7 for him, and it was very awkward for me. Um, I didn't take to it really well. I, I would have rather just been left off. Um, but he's like, dude, just you're good. You know what you're talking about. You're good at this. Just just be yourself, bro. And so that's what I started doing. And then, you know, Throttle's YouTube channel, we started focusing on our builds and putting that out there. And uh, it sort of became easier on me um, to today where we're doing it every day. It's just second nature at yeah. this point. So the meet and greet stuff came as sort of a, um, a result of the YouTube channel starting to grow. Um and so we were being asked to come to car shows and things like that uh, by the promoters. And 
it's one of the best things that's actually happened in this whole YouTube game is that I actually get to go to car shows, which I probably would attend anyway because mm-hmm. I'm into cars. And um, normally you would go to a car show if you don't have a booth. You guys always have a booth, so it's a little different for you. But take yourself out of that role. And you're just going to car shows to walk around and enjoy what people have built, which yeah. is what I like to do. Um, now you get to meet a lot of those people you normally would just walk by or bump into, right? And um, now you can actually have a meaningful conversation with most of these people because they're interested to talk to me. Before, I was, didn't have the YouTube as a, a catalyst, and nobody knew who I was. Um, now they're seeing me a lot, and they're interested to learn more about me, and I'm interested to learn about them. So it's a really cool thing, and um, I really enjoy it believe it or not and it was one thing i enjoyed about playing hockey too is getting to meet all the little kids that came to the games like i'd be the last guy in the locker room at the end of the game everybody would be in the showers and i'd still be walking in with all my gear on because i was out talking to the little kids that were there to watch us play and it just sort of came from that and now i'm doing it in the car space and i love it like i absolutely love talking to the people at the events dude that's so tight bro it's tight that you have that mentality because um I've posted up this before and we've talked about it that a lot of people in your space aren't who they are yeah. on camera. And yeah. it, it seems like you're more than you are in camera. On <laughs> camera, you're you're more of the technical guy, yeah. the guy that everybody goes to that knows how to do it. Every time if you listen to uh, TJ's video, throttle video, anything, it's Mickey this, Mickey that. <laughs> oh, I, I fucked this up. So I had to yeah. tell Mickey. You want to know why that is? Because I fucked up a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you get there, bro. And I've, I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by a lot of very talented car builders in yeah. the last 15 years. Um, working at Falcon Tire, I moved to California. I guess we didn't talk about my background at all. So before, yeah, before we get ahead of everything, I want to know a little more about Mickey from before yeah. cars. Mickey growing up, what <sighs> what was your life like? What what were things that you were into? Okay, so at 15 months old, I started ice skating. 15 months? Yeah. So How does that happen? It happens when your mom is a figure skating teacher and your dad is an ice hockey player. Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> so I still have my first hockey skates and they're about yay big. No shit. And they're made out of leather. They're, they, they're <laughs> older than... I think they may have been in the Bible. Oh, wow, <laughs> dude. I have them framed in a in a picture box oh, no like, way. on my That's wall. Oh, no way. so tight, dude. It's one of my most cherished possessions. 15 months. So at 15 months old, I started ice skating and they're started my love for ice hockey my mom would take a hockey puck with her to her figure skating classes she'd throw my skates on before the class started and she would start teaching her class she would just take the puck and throw it across the ice and say go get it Mm -hmm. and i would cry and cry i can't i can't and then i finally learned how to skate and then my love for hockey started um started playing ice hockey at the age of three and i was playing with five six-year-old kids so i developed my skill set very fast at a very young age uh, I ended up playing ice hockey at a highly competitive level until I was about 18, um, where at that point you either go to college and play or you play juniors or, you know, you get drafted. Yeah. So in the midst of all that, when I was in junior high, the my mom wanted to keep me in sport outside of hockey. 
to stay out of trouble, mm-hmm. keep me out of trouble. Um, so I joined track and field, which oh, is okay. a summer sport. Uh, I was playing hockey year-round, spring hockey, summer hockey, winter hockey, but I was also running track, and I was very small. I was a late bloomer. I was probably, I think my first license at 16 said 4 foot 11, 86 pounds. I wish I still had that license. <laughs> but when I was in junior high, I was even smaller, and I was shy. So we're sitting in this big-ass auditorium. Track coach is in the front of the room, and he says, okay, who wants to run the 100-meter dash? People put their arms up. Usually the laziest people. Yeah. <laughs> it's the shortest race, <laughs> but they're the fastest. And the last race is the mile. And I never raised my hand for any of the other events because I was too shy to stick my hand in the air. So they said, okay, anybody who hasn't raised their hand yet, you're running the mile at the meet this weekend. So I ended up being a miler. And um, I set the school record my first time out trying it. <laughs> what was it? Do you remember? I don't remember at this point. It was probably pretty slow but for mm-hmm. like you know somebody that was 12 or 13 years old it was decently fast and for my school they'd never had anybody go that yeah. fast before so i instantly became a runner um and i don't know if it's genetics or what i picked it up really fast um i ended up holding the high school record for the 3000 meter uh run up until just a couple of years ago no way and uh went on to get a scholarship for akron university for running track and field i was uh, a miler 3000 meter steeplechaser and a 5000 meter runner so that's one thing that most people in the car world do not know about me dude that's crazy bro that's funny because uh <clears throat> i was a late bloomer <laughs> as yeah. well dude yeah I, i've told this story before there's um there's a city here called Wainimi, and mm-hmm. uh there's a Wainimi Elementary and Wainimi High School. Okay. And somebody, maybe a parent's friend or something, asked me, oh, what uh, what school do you go to? And I said, oh, I go to Wainimi. And they said, oh, Wainimi Elementary, that's cool. And I'm like, dude, fuck you, <laughs> I'm bro. I'm in high school. Okay. I'm in high school. This is my fault. Super late bloomer, dude. I, I don't think I like even looked like my age until like the mid 20s yeah you know and uh, i used to run cross country (laughs) as well i also also ran cross country as well so that was you know everybody sees me they see me as a car guy yeah right because that's the media that we we put out yeah but the reality is is i'm actually a hockey player that's into cars um i still play hockey two three four times a week um right now at 42 and um, I don't run anymore. Uh, I ran consistently for, I think it was nine years straight, pretty much almost every day, and minimum of eight or so miles a day. When I ran my last race in college, I, I podiumed. I think I got second or third in a steeplechase. Stood on the podium, got my picture taken, got my little medal, walked off the track. And I didn't run again for like over a year. Why like was that? Cold turkey just stopped. I was over it. Um, Sort of got that way with hockey too. As I played from the age of three to eighteen, almost year round, I was bored. I was going there. I was showing up just because I needed. I had to. Mm-hmm. I felt in my, in my insides, was like, oh, I need to be there because this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And you start going through the motions, and you don't excel at that point because you're not putting forth one hundred and ten percent effort. You're putting forth eighty five percent effort just because you feel like you need to be doing it, right? Because you've done it your whole life. Um, it was a big downfall for me. I look back now and I would have changed things if I could. Um, but those are things in our past and we can't do that. I enjoyed it. I loved playing hockey my whole life. I still play to this day because I love it to death. 
uh running not so much <laughs> <laughs> i did what i had to do in the in the running world and uh i did my best and i'm proud of what i what i accomplished and i'm done with that so my knees can't really hold handle it anymore yeah at this age dude everything starts shutting it's down just, it's not worth it um you know you can easily get on an elliptical or or a bike and and ride and not beat your body up so if i were to get back into a an endurance sport it would probably be cycling or something like that yeah dude i um speaking of knees i was just skating with my son and there's a, a six stair and i'm trying to do the six stair because oh, i never geez. did one in, okay. my, in my life uh, getting super close bro like landing it but slipping off uh, and then a couple times i landed on my knee it still hurts now and this was about three weeks ago yeah and it's not hurt like it's bruised yeah i'm pretty sure it's cracked uh, because if i press it like right now it feels perfect but if i press the kneecap in a certain way it's like a shocking uh, pain dude. dude and the older you get it it doesn't heal any yeah. faster bro but uh <laughs> I'm just gonna leave it. I'm gonna see what yeah, I'll leave it. Be. <laughs> just, just leave it. it be. See what happens. Yeah, let it let it heal itself up a little bit first. So, so um, you were always into sports. What did you do besides yeah. sports? Did you have any free time? That's, that's where cars came in, man. Uh, you know, cars and obviously girls. You know, it's normal things for a dude growing up. Um, the car stuff sort of took over for me and that's when i started pursuing the you know, fast and furious movie came out in what was it 2000 something like that and by 2003 i was like i need to get to southern california that's where that's where it's all going down um you know i could stay in akron but i'm probably not going to get anywhere the only real claims of fame akron has for car stuff is summit racing is based in talmadge ohio which was right up the street from oh me, really which was really cool Cool story. My 99 Civic Si was the first import car ever to be in the um, carousel front window of Summit Racing and the cover of one of their catalogs as well. No shit. Yeah. So those are things that like I cherish, but I don't talk about. Do you still have it? I still have it. No way. I still have a photo of the car on the carousel inside the, the brand new Summit Racing building, which would have been like 2000, maybe one or something. They always had hot rods and muscle cars and stuff on those twin yeah, carousels yeah, yeah. there you had a 99 honda civic it was the first time they had ever done that i don't know if they've ever done it again to be honest wow. i haven't i haven't been back there but um to me that's like that's a feather in my cap that i don't talk about i i enjoy knowing that i did that yeah and i don't need to tell people about it it's cool so why why do you feel like uh there's these things that you don't want to discuss or don't discuss publicly uh do you like to be mysterious no it's not even that dude it's just that i don't feel like i need to toot my own horn like if people want to find that stuff out they can i mean there's this thing called the internet and they can look it up yeah but, um for me i'd rather know more about the person i'm talking to than me telling them my old war stories about a car i built 20 years ago it's it's irrelevant at this point it didn't really change anything for anybody right it's not like i'm some pioneer or anything like that it's just stuff was going on. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. So to me, there's much more things I would like to know about a person than telling them about me. So to ask them questions and hear what, you know, what makes them tick is more, is way cooler to me. Yeah. But you have a, a long history, man, of things. <laughs> yeah, a long history. Um, I guess maybe I should speak about where I came from once I moved to California. Yeah, I want to... Uh... I want to get to the California part of things 
but when you were in Ohio still, how did you get how did you get into the culture of Hondas? Like was there an actual culture of Hondas and what kind of what kind of media did you have to to show you the 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 world outside of Ohio? Oh yeah. Feature like Hondas and stuff. Yep, yep. Perfect. Yeah. So, um there was by the, you know, early 2000s there was quite a scene growing up, especially um or growing in that area, especially since Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. That was like the fire that lit everything off um, especially in that area i don't know how it was out here because i wasn't here yeah um but um i was working in a tuner shop uh doing vinyl graphics which is another thing a lot of people don't know about me i actually owned a vinyl shop out in ohio yeah so and there's a long story to that as well but um i was working in a tuner shop doing vinyl graphics for them sort of as a subcontractor, but okay. I had an office inside there with my vinyl plotter and all that stuff. What was it called? Shop was called Rim and Trim. So it was the same shop I used to buy my parts from. They had then hired me to come in. But did you have a, a name for your, your vinyl business? Oh, yeah. It was called Graphics. G-R-A-P-H-X. Ooh, hell yeah. <laughs> Back then, that was super cool. <laughs> that, that That's super fast and furious for yeah. sure. So um, what was cool was because we were as i mentioned earlier we we're so close to summit racing i knew a lot of the guys there um and they reached out because they wanted to because of fast and furious they wanted to be selling decals mm-hmm. of the partner brands that they were selling so matrix and all these other companies like aem that they weren't supplying stickers to to really? summit i was making them and packaging them through my partner and selling them to Summit, who was then selling them through their catalog. That was a pretty big deal. No shit. I still have the catalog with my car on the cover, and then they had all those stickers for sale in the catalog. Dude, I want to see a picture of that, bro. I'll send you a photo. I just found it when I moved recently. Um, So that led to Modern Image Signworks in Huntington Beach reaching out to me um, and asking me if I wanted to come to California and work out here. And to me, that was the golden ticket. I was like, oh my God, I've been wanting to go to California, Southern California specifically, because this is where all the cool shit's happening. So Modern Image flew me out. Um, I did an install while I was there, and they evaluated it and ended up offering me a position. So I took the position, moved to California, basically sold everything I owned, including that 99 Civic, to make the move. Uh, Got to working there, and... Um, I worked there for less than a year and I got an opportunity to go interview for a marketing position at Falcon Tire. Wait, are we getting off on the wrong track here? Dude, we could go wherever fucking track you want, <laughs> dog. Okay. So this is going to get into where my career Let's starts. Do it. Um, so my career in automotive started at, at Modern Image. So I owe a lot to Robert Wilson, the owner of Modern Image, um, and the movie Fast and Furious because that's where this kind of all came together. spawned all of my interests and the scene in in akron was basically following that fast and furious model of like the way the cars were built and all that stuff that was already being done in california so was was the movie kind of the what you thought california was like or was there something else was there online was there magazines that you would look at or yeah i'm sorry i skipped over that whole part so yeah of course i was a super street reader import tuner all those magazines um all the way down to um you know the the og um t 
TMR and stuff like that. Okay, we cool, would, cool, cool. We would randomly get those. Okay. In Ohio. Like, I would have to go search them down because they weren't really distributed out there. But uh, I went to Nopi Nationals in 2002, and I think I mentioned this to you earlier. I met some of my heroes at at Nopi Nationals, Adam Sawatari, Abel Ibarra, some of these other guys that I'm now friends with, ironically, which is really crazy to me. Um, Because these were guys that, like, I would walk up to with these giant eyes, like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is so-and-so. He was on the cover of Super Street. You know, I was that guy. I was that kid. Yeah. You know, like, I looked up to all these dudes. And I went on the Nopi tour uh, in 2002. Uh, My car was being used in a booth. Um, I'm trying to recollect all this now. I was asked to have my car in the booth of Intrax Suspension. Uh, way back then they were a very popular spring and coilover manufacturer back in the day um, my buddy Brian uh, Dumont his car was supposed to be in their booth but he couldn't make it so he hooked them up with me that gave me a tie to Southern California oh, okay, okay okay so I went on the Nopi tour I was super pumped like this kid from Akron his car is going to be in this booth at Nopi Nationals I was so excited like that was like, a dream come true for me drove the tour had an absolute blast um so you you drove with i drove them? the nopi tour remember they used to have stops i i got into this about 2007 2008 oh, snap. so everything you're telling oh, me for you okay um, yeah <laughs> I, i'm trying to understand it okay so nopi would actually do a super street tour for m- many years they did this okay so the event is actually in atlanta georgia right uh, at, yeah at the speedway that's where the culmination of the tour was okay so they had like a, a West Coast leg, a Midwest leg, and an East Coast leg. Well, okay, I, got you, got And you. I think, if I remember correctly, the Midwest leg and the East Coast leg met up halfway to Atlanta. And so there's just massive crowds of import cars, like Fast and Furious graphics, like just outlandish shit, loud exhaust. And we were just cruise, and they had stops planned along the way at like Hooters restaurants and all these other places where we would stop, no. meet other enthusiasts. This is where I met Jonathan Wong. This is where I met uh, Ricky Chu. I met Steph Papadakis, Christian Rado, all these guys on the tour. And to me, as I told you earlier, like meeting these guys that I could only ever see in a magazine, I'm just standing. I'm standing in Christian Rado's race trailer with his. Um, rear wheel drive I can't remember what it was back then super or whatever he was drag racing was like in the trailer up on the second story and I'm just like blown away just partying with these guys hanging out chilling and getting to realize that they're no different than us bro (laughs) but they're in Southern California so they've got access to Super Street Import Tuner all these outlets where I was getting all my information from this is where sort of everything all came together for me and when that opportunity for modern image arose, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm gone. Let's do this. So Nopi is where I met Adam Swawatari, who is a legendary old school import drag racer who I've recently re-met up with via phone because of YouTube. Yeah. He watches our YouTube channel, at Throttle. <laughs> so he called me, got my number from Abel Ibarra, which this is all just mind-blowing <laughs> right now. But So these are all dudes that I used to really look up to, and now they're peers. Yeah. Um, so cool and all of them are rad people just as i had hoped they would be uh super helpful guys and um you know my rotary addiction abel's been a huge help with that uh with keeping me on the straight and narrow and keeping the cars running and stuff but uh yeah so you know to get back to sort of how i got to where i am today all of that stuff had to happen Mm -hmm. and it fueled my fire to get to southern california 
Robert from Modern Image moved me to California okay. to work for him. I worked there for, like I said, a little under a year, and I got this opportunity to go interview at Falcon Tire, which I knew Falcon, but like they were an up-and-coming brand, a Japanese brand, which I thought was cool. I was very into Japanese everything, as I still am. Um, I went and interviewed, and they had a very small marketing team. It was basically a guy by the name of Nick Fusekis, who's still at Falcon uh, to this day, which is awesome. He had just been hired about a year previously to um, take over some marketing activities. And the the week that I moved to Southern California was actually the week of the first drift show-off uh, held by uh, Ken Miyoshi and Falcon Tire. Mm-hmm. And they flew in a couple of drivers from Japan, shipped their cars over, and they did this whole demo at Irwindale Speedway. And I remember seeing that and going, oh, my God, this is awesome. Well, here we are a few months later, and I'm interviewing for a marketing position to work with that program and the guy that put that together. So to me, it was like a lot of things happened because I put myself in the right place at the right time. Got the interview, got the job. The marketing department consisted of Nick and me. <laughs> that was it. Did you have any marketing experience? Zero. I had a degree from University of Akron for business with a minor in marketing. So I'm actually a communications major and I have a minor in marketing. Yeah. So what was funny was I was in the interview at Falcon and I'm sitting across this, like what felt like a 150 foot boardroom table, <laughs> Nick sitting next to me and the president of Falcon sitting all the way at the other end of the table. I was like, how are you doing down there? And he, he, he's, um, you know, he asked Nick, you know, for my resume. So Nick slides, and this is like, in the day of where paper was actually relevant yeah slides my resume down on the table and he looks at it and i'm just it felt like an hour went by he's reading my resume it was probably like 10 seconds and uh <laughs> he takes the paper and slides it back down the table to nick and he goes hey mickey what what job do you want here because whatever job you want it's yours no shit <laughs> and i went i was like what the heck and uh he goes I know this is going to sound really weird to you, but we have the exact same collegiate degree. <laughs> Since you you have a major in interpersonal communication and a minor in marketing, and that's a very odd combination to have. And uh, he, he basically, because of that, said, the job's yours. And what made you want to pick the marketing just because of your... I wanted to do marketing because I wanted to be involved in the events and okay. traveling to the events. And Falcon was already doing that they had a little two-car trailer well a big Mm two-car trailer that they would take off to all these events and i had actually seen them previously at carlisle pa which is another big venue back east for enthusiasts they have all kinds of different car shows well i had ventured out there with my civic saw falcon there knew they were doing events and i wanted to be a part of that when the job opportunity came up i made myself presentable went there did my thing got hired which was awesome so at that point, I was on board with Nick. He had kicked off the drifting thing with the show-off that happened just a few months earlier, and they were hot on drifting. Mm-hmm. So it was like, let's let's go. Let's figure out how we can make this drifting thing work. And so Nick and I, you know, worked together, devised a plan, and uh, you know, he was he's basically the reason drifting is what it is in the states today because he took a chance on his career to bring those guys from Japan to put on a show and people fell in love with it yeah so we owe that to him it's crazy that there's these certain dudes in the community that if they didn't make those moves it wouldn't be what it is yeah today and and 
to know the background stories of all that is really cool. I could go on for hours with these background stories of things that I've seen happen. And at the time, you don't think anything of it. But you look back 10 years later, and it's like, holy shit. If this guy didn't do this, we wouldn't be doing this yeah. at all. Like, it probably wouldn't have even happened. So Nick is that guy. Like, Nick Nick stuck his neck out and put basically put Falcon on the map for drifting. And that's why they're so strong at drifting today, because they still look back at that as a big monumental moment in their company history and it is um and that's why you know during my time there i I moved up into i was managing the motorsports department um under nick and at one point in time i think we had 12 drift cars that i was managing and 12 drivers that we had on contract it was a big job for one person to handle so then we started hiring guys to work under me as car managers and they took care of the cars and getting the parts order and getting the cars to the, the repair shops to get fixed after each round and all that. And mind you, this is very early on in drifting. And, you know, if you smack your rear bumper on the wall at an event, it didn't necessarily get fixed for the next round. It may have got like, you know, zip a, tie. New, a new, yeah, a new bolt put in or a zip tie thrown through it. And yeah, 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 yeah. Nowadays at pro drifting level, you scratch up your rear bumper. It's, you put a new bumper on, you know, you can't be seen with damage on your car anymore. Yeah. Back then, it wasn't like that, and um, so they tr- they trip on that stuff right now. They don't trip on it, but the teams want to put off a presentable image to the sponsors. So okay. you show up to around with a lot of damage on your car; it doesn't look good for the sponsors. I never so, even thought about that. Okay, yeah, I mean, you never see a NASCAR car show up to a race. Uh, heck, I mean, they'll come in and change a panel out if it's damaged. In a lot of most cases, in most racing, gotcha. um, just because the sponsor's name is on the car. They want to put off a nice presentable image for their sponsor because they want them to come back the next season. So, um, you know, in the early days of drifting, that wasn't a thing. Now it is. And it's cool to see all that stuff happen. I was a part of that from day one, which is really cool. So I worked at Falcon uh, under Nick for, uh, I guess it was five years. So like 2003 to 2008. And at that point, uh, when I left uh, in 2008... I went off to uh, start my graphics business again. Mm-hmm. So got this massive plotter, got all this inventory, started doing vinyl graphics. Actually picked up all the Falcon work. So I was doing all the deliveries for all the Falcon drift cars and then a lot of the other ones as well. Um, I did that for about two years. And then uh, my fiance, Courtney Day, who mm-hmm. I also met because she was a spokesmodel for Falcon. I met her while I worked there. We hit it off, started dating. <clears throat> she's from San Diego. So now you can kind of see how I ended up in San Diego. Yeah. She um, said, you know, my grandparents are getting older. I need to help out with the family stuff. Can we move to San Diego now that we don't really have any ties up in the Inland Empire? Um, I was, she took me down into San Diego and I just fell in love with it. So we moved to San Diego. Um, and the problem with living in San Diego is there's not a whole lot of automotive industry down there. So most of the automotive industry is in Huntington Beach, like, you know, more north yeah. SoCal, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, but HRE Wheels is down there, which is a iconic wheel brand, one of the probably the finest U.S. built wheels. Um, and I went in for, a, <laughs> they had a sales position open, and I went in and interviewed for it, and they gave me the job just on my background at Falcon and the entire industry and all that. But uh, I wasn't much of a salesman. So <laughs> I ended up weaseling my way back over into the marketing department, which they didn't have one at the uh-huh. time. They really had nobody doing marketing. So 
at that time, the brand was really stale. It was 2008. Um, I'm sorry, it was 2010. And they were doing no marketing other than like Rob Report and like these high-end like magazines um, where people would buy exotic cars and stuff like that. So this was like when Instagram and Facebook, I mean, Instagram probably wasn't even around at that point. I think this it was, was like a year Facebook, or so later, yeah. Um, was the place to market and I was doing that for them. I started kind of doing the online social media thing for them and helping with that. And then they hired a, a director of marketing who was a friend of the president he came in we hit it off we worked together as a two-man team and over the next two or three years sort of rebranded the whole company Mm -hmm. as a iconic original wheel brand that um deserved the respect that it had it had been around for 25 years i think at that time and nobody even knew that yeah did you know that hre wheels started out as hayashi racing no which is a japanese company no yeah so a guy named gene howold uh, who's from San Diego, bought out Hayashi Racing's inventory because they brought a bunch of stuff to the States to sell, and it did, it failed. Mm-hmm. So he bought all of their wheel faces and rim halves and stuff and created Howold Racing Enterprises, utilizing the H and the R from Hayashi Racing mm-hmm. and made it HRE. And if you go back and look at Hayashi Racing's HR logo, it's the same letter style font that HRE uses oh, today. Oh, wow. There's a crossover. It's a really neat history, company history. So Gene sold the company to a couple investors, um, and they kept it afloat all these years. Uh, unfortunately, the the marketing slipped. Um, they were just sort of stuck in their ways doing the magazine ads and stuff like that. Where Patrick and I were able to bring them up to speed, get them on the internet, and get them going again. And Patrick was integral um, in recreating the look of the com- feel of the company as well at SEMA and in their yeah. catalogs and stuff like that. So really enjoyed my time at hre but it came to an end when i got an opportunity to work for ken block uh the hoonigan racing division uh brought me on to help out uh and things did not work out i only worked there for three weeks three <laughs> weeks three weeks oh shit i didn't even get a chance to like get my foot in the door um so i went back to hre and i stayed there for about another year and uh but that's where i met uh you know ken ken block and uh his team uh, I already had already known Brian Scotto, who's the founder of Hoonigan with Ken. Mm-hmm. Um, so those guys have become good friends of mine, even though I didn't work there very long. But it wasn't because of my personality that I didn't work there long. It was some other things that were going on. And um, we've actually become good friends to this day. I was at Brian's wedding. And nice. um, now that we're in the YouTube space with Hoonigan at Throttle, yeah, you know, I'm in touch with Brian quite often now, which is pretty cool. Um, this car world has just really done a lot for me. So, um, but it's because I've presented myself and put myself in good positions. I think to take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of me. It's opportunities, man. That's all it is. It's taking <clears throat> is taking advantage of these opportunities and putting yourself out there. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people understand that. And I could definitely relate to all the stuff that you're saying because yeah. I can. I can pinpoint so many opportunities that if I just didn't make this this interaction, if mm-hmm. I didn't help out this person, if I didn't take myself out of this com- uncomfortable or put myself in an uncomfortable space, yep. then maybe that wouldn't have happened, yep. and then I wouldn't I wouldn't be here yep. at this time. Yeah, or even failures. I mean, I said like I only worked at Hunting for three weeks. That mm-hmm. was a failure. That yeah. was a failure on my part. Um, did I let it bring me down? Hell no. 
in fact it jacked me up like it got me excited to go do things right the proper way and prove myself um i i hit the ground running i got hired at AccuWare suspension like we talked about earlier mm-hmm. up in san luis obispo so this drive up here to your shop from san diego is nothing to me i used to do it all the time so i never actually moved to san luis obispo while i worked at AccuWare, even though they're headquartered there um i lived in san diego i was a full-time employee and part of my requirement was to be up there once or twice a month um for a few days so i was driving back and forth a lot which is a four-hour drive um i worked there for about a year and at that point it was either time to shit or get off the pot Mm -hmm. so they're like you know what dude you need to either move to san luis obispo or we're probably going to move on with someone local that's going to be in our you know be here all the time and you were doing marketing there i was doing marketing and you know helping with all the marketing stuff and and a lot of things i was doing all the event stuff for them and all that as well um so as i moved on from there um because i wasn't i couldn't move to san luis obispo because of our ties in san diego with courtney's family definitely yeah um i had to pass on the the opportunity to continue to work there and uh that's when throttle started and Um, what year was this 2015 so um what's ironic is i ended up after a year away from AccuWare, we started throttle um, me and my partners and we were cranking away but it was a slow go um in fact it was failing mm-hmm. in the beginning and um the guys at AccuWare actually reached out to me and said you want to come back because we could use your help and looking back now i worked there again for a second stint up until december of last year December 2018 and I walked away on my own terms because throttle was being successful and I cannot tell you how good that felt and I also can't tell you how much debt of gratitude I owe those guys for bringing me on for another year because they saw that I was driven to start something and I needed financial stability to make it happen I was putting all of my life savings as were my partners into throttle the guys at AccuWare were so smart to stand back and see what I was doing was what I was passionate about and I needed help and they helped me. They employed me for a year, gave me a paycheck for a year so that I could afford to get throttle off the ground. And when I was ready to fly, they said, go fly. And I'll never forget that. That's something that doesn't happen in this world too often to people. And those guys will always be, you know, they'll be heroes to me. They, they looked after me when I didn't think anybody was even paying attention to what we were doing. Throttle was nothing Yeah, at the time. There's not too many people like that, man. There's not. And, uh, yeah, if, if you guys are ever in the market for air suspension, that's one reason why you should buy AccuWare because the dudes that own it are salt-of-the-earth guys, and uh, they're very cognizant of, of the people around them. So um, that's sort of my story, dude. So here we are, Throttle. So let's, so let's get into throttle at the beginning <clears throat> what was the idea of what what throttle was going to be what did you want it to be your vision yeah so i don't know if i've ever actually given you the whole story on throttle so throttle actually started because my partners rick and evan beckerman um they were they're from back east buffalo new york i believe they were buying and selling a lot of cars rick's a porsche guy he was buying and selling flipping porsches a lot Evan was a Honda guy, Preludes and Integras and stuff, and they were buying a lot of parts and selling them to to sort of make side money. Well, at that time, you know this, the forums were like the place to be, right? NWP, all these other forums. Everybody would go search for used parts. Well, because those two had, 
you know, different ideals of what they want to be buying and selling. This guy's over here doing Porsche stuff. This guy's over here doing Honda stuff. They're always searching the forums for Honda or Porsche parts. Well, as you know, there's always multiple forums, right? So remembering your password, going through the motions of logging in, then searching. They wanted to create a platform that would allow you to just type in 1994 Integra headlight. It would scour all the forums for headlights for sale for 94 Integra, bring them into throttle, and then you have everything in one place. So you log into one site. It searches the whole internet for you, finds the parts that you're looking for, and puts them into throttle. Then you can reach out and contact that person via. Oh shit! Brilliant idea. Yeah. So they brought me in uh, in November of 2015, 14. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It's been three years. So 15. Um, and said, "Hey, we we need a we need marketing help. You know everybody in the, in the in, to them. I knew everybody in the industry. I don't, but." To them, I was the guy closest to them was in San Diego, and I knew a lot of industry heads. So they wanted me to help them market the brand. So we started that, and I got to tell you, dude, starting this company really allowed me to see who my real friends were <laughs> because I reached out to quite a few people to, to get them to support Throttle, and I got treated pretty shitty by quite a lot of people that I looked up to. No uh, way, yeah. dude. Um, people that said, we got your back. And when I did come to them, when I wasn't working at a brand that could benefit them, it, it was crickets, bro. Um, there are a handful of people that stood behind me, and I know who those people are. And at some point, they will get taken care of because they said, you know what, Mickey? I see your vision. I like it. I want to support you. And these were companies that came on and were paying 200 bucks a month to sponsor the, the platform that they didn't know if it was going to be a success or not, but because I was involved and they liked me as a person, they wanted to help. Yeah. To me, that's awesome. Like that's something that I want to give back at some point in my career to do for upstart brands and stuff like that. So that's another story. We started Toronto with that platform in mind, but it's changed so much since then. It still exists and you can buy and sell used car parts on throttle because we created this marketplace. It's very unique because there is eBay out there. There is Craigslist. There's Facebook Marketplace. And these are all great places to buy and sell parts. The one thing that Throttle did was they created uh, another thing Throttle did was they created uh, uh, basically a way to communicate with the seller without ever having to give your address or your phone number through the site, which I thought was really good because I always hated giving out my, my address on Craigslist or my phone number because you never know who these scammers are. Throttle was able to sort of vet that a little bit and mm-hmm. make a better platform, I thought. Um, and that was our selling point. So we created this thing. And today, now we're selling new parts as well. So we have used car parts and car sales. We've got new car part sales. And in order to market the platform, we created our YouTube channel. Um, our YouTube channel was just a tool. And now it's actually become our main asset at this point. I mean, we're, we sell parts, but we do YouTube videos. We build car project cars to give away to our users to drive part sales and to drive signups for our programs. And looking back now, it's a pretty damn good idea. Hell like, yeah. We didn't know this was, was our end game, but it has become that. And we've got other things planned that are even further down the road. Um, and when it happens, you guys are all going to be like, oh, shit. I didn't see that coming. 
which is really cool to me. Yeah. And the fact that we were able to pull it off and in three short years build a brand that's pretty well known. I mean, I go to a car show and people know who Throttle is. That's oh, pretty definitely, neat. definitely, man. To me, I mean, in the beginning we go to a show and talk about Throttle, and pe- you start getting into like what it is and. You start getting the the eye rolls and the people like looking around and not paying attention. And now it's they're engaged. They know who we are already. The conversations are way easier to have. Um, and it's really really cool to have been a part of an upstart business that was nothing and was not taken seriously. To now, I've got big brands in the automotive space reaching out to us to see how they can get involved. Where in the beginning I was cold calling and getting laughed at. So it's neat to see in three short years this sort of um, ability for us to take something that was nothing and make it into something that's known and may not be usable to everyone or people still might think, oh, it's nothing, but we're not going to stop. You know, we want to do this. We want to see it through and we think it's a cool idea and um, we feel like we're doing the, the automotive community a service by building these project cars on the channel People can watch these cars get built, see every part that goes on them, and then have a chance to actually win it. And we've given away at this point, I think, six or seven cars. And it's the best feeling ever, man. Like, giving away a piece of something that I built and something that I put my blood, sweat, and tears into to someone that appreciates it and watch it get built and get to enjoy it at the end of the day is awesome. The guy that's going to win the two, or the guy that won the 240 that we just gave away is coming uh, the first weekend of next month to pick it up. No. And I'll be honest, dude, we put so much heart and soul into that thing. Like, dude, that guy's so lucky, bro. That yeah. car is fire. Yeah. And so <sighs> he's going to get to drive that home. Like, he doesn't have to do anything but show up at our door and we're handing him the keys. Boom. Shit. And there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, this is all fake. They're giving the cars to their friends and all this stuff. And there's yeah. a lot of hate on the internet right now about it. But the fact of the matter is, is we're building cool shit. We're documenting it. We're putting it on the internet for everybody to see. There's full transparency and we're giving it away yeah and it feels good it feels right and i love doing it there's always going to be those people around bro it's because they're just so small-minded and it really says a lot more about them than it does to you because if they had that opportunity that's what they would do they would give it away to their friend so they can just keep all the money yeah but at at one point it's more than money yeah you know this is your reputation that you're building on top of it's more than money and and honestly, like money's important. I mean, we're a business. We're in business to make money. It just as your business is in business to make money. Of course, we're trying to make money. First five cars we gave away, we lost money. I can tell you that Rick, Evan, and I have all blown through our life savings to make throttle happen. So if there's any doubt in your mind that what we're doing, it's a business. It is. We're trying to make money. We're trying to make this a, a model that people can look at and be like, that was smart. And we're getting there. We finally are starting to actually see months where we're not having holes in our bank accounts, which is really cool. And the 240SX was the pinnacle of our program at this point. We think the next one will be the next benchmark. So That car came out really, really good. Thank if, you. If I was to build a 240, it would be just like that. that. That same kit, the same attention to detail. Yeah. It, uh, it came out really nice, dude. And so I guess, you know, coming full circle, like I'm working in the automotive industry building rad cars every day that i get to give away to someone and make them happy how you can't have a better job if you're into cars yeah. like i've i've worked myself into a position 
at a brand that I was able to help start and I get to go to work every day excited because I'm going to go work on something that I'm passionate about and I get to see this dude smile when he comes and gets the keys for it when he wins it. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, dude. I don't think. No, dude, definitely <laughs> not. You're, you, you've you worked yourself into a very great space, man. Yeah. Congratulations, Mickey. Thank you. That's I never so thought tight, of myself dude. as a grease monkey, but <laughs> you can tell by my hands. I've been working hard on cars. so Good for you, But I enjoy dude. it, That's dude. awesome, bro. And for you to do it for for these right reasons, I, I don't see it going anywhere else but up, man. Uh, that's good. I'm glad you see it, dude, because a lot of people just think it's some backhanded thing. And yeah. It's not. It's, yeah, ever, it, is what it's, it is what it looks like on the outside. Ever since we've been working together, I've seen uh, what you guys were doing, and more than just throttle, it was it was you as a person, mm-hmm. how we interacted together, yeah. how appreciative you were about the parts that we would send, mm-hmm. and ever since the beginning, man, you you came off as like a really genuine person, and those are the kind of people that I like to deal with. Yep. Um, yep. We we don't deal with that many people. Um, the the guys that have our stuff more more than more than not, they just went to the website and bought bought Swooped the parts. Up, yeah. yeah, and it's just that they they feel comfortable about the brand. They they like what the brand represents, and they want they want it to be part of their build. And I appreciate that as much as, as as I can, dude. Like this is this is my life. This allows me to live this life that yep. i can so when they tell me thank you i'm like no bro thank you like yeah. without you supporting without people seeing your car that you built out of your time mm-hmm. and the the parts that you chose to use and that that represents uh, us like it drives the other people's desires to have what they have too so if they see that they're using your product they're likely gonna buy it right yeah because they want that as well it's yeah it's brilliant and it's it's smart marketing and that's that's the kind of marketing that I I like to do, you know, like handshake marketing. I, I like to deal with people that are real people. Yep. You know, not not just a contract. Not I'm gonna pay you this much every time yep. you mention Downstar on Throttle. You're gonna make this much. Yep. It's not like that. But yep. when it comes to the point where we're in Hawaii and Mickey says, "Hey, we're working on something. Can you take care of me?" I got you, bro. <laughs> it's no problem to me because, and that's a, that's the a real thing that actually happened. <laughs> it just happened last I, week. Yeah. I, you, if you guys watch our channel, you know we're working on a Porsche wide body, and I reached out to Frank because Frank was kind enough to set us up with a dope kit that we have in the shop that I get to pull from every day, and thankful for him because I'm very picky about the hardware that I use. We now have the best in the business in our Thank shop you, at, Thank you. at my disposal every day, but. I didn't have what I needed for the Porsche because the hardware that we used on the 240SX is probably my favorite hardware that you make now at this point. It's yeah. really low profile and really uh, easy to use. And we didn't have any more because we used them all on the 240. I think we used over 100 on the 240. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot on there. The, the Rocket Bunny kit uses so many nuts and bolts. And the hardware that they send is absolute garbage compared to what we're getting from you. So I wanted to change all that out for the new owner. Well, when we built the Porsche, it was like, well, we can't go back now. This looks way too good. So I hit up Frank. Frank's like, bro, I'm in Hawaii right now, but I got you. I got you. I'm going to have the guys send that out. Sure enough, the next day, stuff shows up at the front door, and <laughs> Porsche's off and off the paint. So, because I see the vision, man, and I, I know that you need these tools to make your vision <laughs> come to reality. Yep. And I, 
time doesn't stop because i'm on vacation you know <laughs> i know things need to get taken care of you're one of the only guys that thinks like that yeah i'm dude. the same way and i get yelled at by my chick all the time if i'm on vacation and i'm answering phone calls and stuff and it's like hey, you know what sometimes there, there's certain people that when the phone rings you just answer it because you know it's the right thing to do okay everybody we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute Yo, what's up, fool? Make sure you check out Downstar for all of your dress-up needs. Get it poppin' over here. We have all the kits for the K-Series, the B-Series, the transmission, the mounts, the engine, the Toro, baby. We have the hardware for the seats, for the stereo. We got it for the speakers. We got it for the lug nuts. We got it for the air valves. We got it for everything, dog. So you make sure you hit us up at downstarring.com or you call us up, fool. You can even text us, lame, 818-937-3472. Just shoot us a text and tell us what's up, dog. I need some fucking boss in this bitch hit us up downstarting.com hey and if you got an instagram slide in our fucking dm at downstar wait hit up the homie frank underscore downstar he's the one that takes care of all the dms hit that level up and shoot him a message and he'll get you all taken care of real nicely yeah because <laughs> these are the people that appreciate it yeah. and if it was a lot of other names i would have been like okay i got you when i get back no problem i got you when i get back yep but i know that you're always supporting us dude every time you guys put out a video someone will send me a clip (laughs) i'm like oh hell yeah thank you man i appreciate that and it's gotten past that relationship where it's like a business relationship we get each other on a different level and it could be how long we've been in the industry what part of the industry we started in and just that understanding that we have with each other is like look this is my vision you're a part of the vision i need your help with this and dude it was no problem to me yep and every time we send you something do you say thank you 17 times (laughs) (laughs) and i appreciate that man because i have a problem with that you you still understand it dude and um, i realize that those bits cost you money so every time you send me a care package for one of the projects it's coming out of your pocket essentially so that's no different than somebody buying you lunch or buying you a soda at the at the 7-eleven it's there has to be um recognition of that of that gesture in my opinion it's a relationship and i don't think that people understand that these business relationships are the same as the relationship with your significant other if it's just so much take and take and take sooner or later you're gonna be like you know what i'm not fucking with you no more dude can't do it no No matter it's say there's a a big company that has a lot of exposure and can turn your can give a lot of eyes to your company that's good and all but that's the same as having a smoking hot model wife or girlfriend you know sooner or later you're gonna get tired of that shit (laughs) sooner or later you're gonna be like yeah you're cool and all but i've i've experienced that yeah there's nothing more to this relationship besides fucking yeah (laughs) once that is done if i can't take you on on a trip with my family if we can't have meaningful conversations why are you doing it then this relationship is not going to go on anymore and i've had so many of those relationships where it was just one-sided and those people feel like yo i need this give it to me and yeah yeah, in in my naive days okay cool i got it this is so-and-so this is so-and-so 
but at the end of the day there's nothing behind it there's it's it, you're building a terrible foundation mm-hmm. and what what i realized and i know it's what you realized is that downstar is where it's at right now but this is just a moment in time mm-hmm. we are going straight to the top yep. and that's because that's my goal throttle you guys are going straight to the top that's your goal and mm-hmm. we're going to work with each other to make those goals yep. come come true yep. at the end of the day it's because we're both dudes that shouldn't be doing this this isn't the life <laughs> that that we had planned out for us right the what you when you were younger i'm just i'm just saying that maybe from my end your dream would have probably to be an employee at say summit or something yeah. if you would have got Dude. a job stocking parts at summit that would have been fucking yeah. great for you dude yep you know making whatever 20 bucks an hour telling all your friends dude i work at summit yep you're mickey from summit dude when i oh dude i just packed your parts here you go that's but your vision was bigger yep than that yeah and i you know you can you always need to aspire to do something beyond your comfort zone and for me this throttle project was nerve-wracking because it was outside my comfort zone yeah i knew about marketing and i knew how you know corporate automotive worked and all that aftermarket automotive work and all that stuff i learned that at my previous jobs but i didn't know how to build a build a brand from scratch um luckily my partners are very well rounded uh rick the porsche guy i'll call him the porsche guy because mm-hmm. he's bought a lot of porsches um he's a startup guy so he's been around startup community uh business community and he knows about you know investments and all that stuff. I know nothing about that. Evan's more like me. He's more of a hands-on, but he also is. He's an engineering brain. Like he he just gets things, and um, he knows business. He knows cars. He's sort of the mix of me and Rick put together, which is kind of neat. So we're actually like a really cool team together because we sort of run the gamut of what we need. <clears throat> our background <clears throat> excuse me we we're, we run the gamut of basically what the business needs to uh to basically succeed mm-hmm. um to from the business side to the building the car side we've got that all covered and then in between with you know with our overlaps which is really perfect and in the beginning i don't know that i saw that i think i see it now looking back um but it's sort of like the perfect storm for our brand and I couldn't be happier. I met Evan or working at HRE. And to be honest, we didn't have that much interaction. He was an engineer. He was doing wheel fitments. And I'm over here doing Instagram marketing and, and whatnot for them. And we just happened to sit in the same area. And come a year later, he's knocking on my door. Hey, you're the guy. Let's let's do this. And here we are. So that's how you guys met, just being in the we same spot at HRE. HRE and yeah. then just chopping it up and during breaks and stuff not even we didn't even really communicate that much other than just the daily hey how you doing he had uh, a couple bmws he's a big bmw guy Uh now and uh at that time i was getting ready to start building my e91 wagon so i sort of was dabbling in bmw things as well so we had some small talk here and there but we weren't like boys Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination it was a work relationship i didn't never hung out with him outside of the shop nothing gotcha and then it was, hey, meet me at Starbucks. I want to go over this with you and see if you want to take on this role. And 
the minute they told me what it was, I was like, yes, let's go. Let's do this. Dude, that's sick, bro. Yeah, super cool. So since you've been in business with the guys in the last three years, what what kind of hardships have you run into with with business? Oh, bro. <clears throat> Anybody that started their own thing will know. You're probably, I'll be preaching to the choir here, but, uh, you know, finances and money are such um, a drain on on our daily outlook, on relationships, um, values, a lot of things. And when you start a business, you not only do you put your heart, well, hopefully you put your heart into it and hopefully you put your finances into it um, to get it going. Mm-hmm. Or if you have funding, great for you. But for us, that wasn't the case. <clears throat> I know Rick, Evan, and myself all invested a lot of our own money and time to get Throttle going. And I got to be honest, dude, there were days where I was like, shit, this, this ain't going to go. This ain't going to fly. We're almost out of money. Um, my relationship's on the rocks because I'm here 100 hours a week. I'm never home. Um, and I think just the fact that we had a clear vision of where we wanted to be got us through all that crap. And all of us can tell the same story. We're all going through the same shit at home and financially and all that stuff. And the fact that we could rely on each other and tell these horror stories to each other, even though we didn't know each other that long, I had only known Evan from HRE for a little while. And his brother came into the picture at the time of throttle. I'd met him one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we became close very fast and we shared all of these hardships together through this challenge of starting this business that we believe so much in. And today, I mean, we're, we're basically family at this point. I mean, you know, you're here all the time at your business. I'm sure um, you end up spending the majority of your time at your shop with your employees or your coworkers. They become your family. And that's basically what's happened with these guys is, you know, birthdays, weekends, last night we were out, you know, for beers. Like mm-hmm. it's, it becomes your, your core. And I think it's a good thing. It's healthy. I think that, you know, outside of your day to day business opportunities, you're also sharing your fun time. Yeah. And that's what we do. So we, we know each other about as well as we know our significant others at this point. And uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's, it's awesome. That's dope to have a friendship like that, not only just yeah. business partners. Well, bro, we fight all the time. I mean, it's not a day goes by where we don't argue about something, but it's it's a good argue. It's because yeah. we're passionate about the business. We're passionate about these car builds. Like, you know, the guys will say, oh, we want to do it this way. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to do it this way because of this. Mm-hmm. And then they'll sit back and be like, either no, or you know what? You're right. Let's try that. And from a creativity standpoint, they pretty much give me free reign on these builds and stuff. Um, and now that we're growing, we're getting a lot of new partners. So it's taken me from my hardcore JDM to opening my horizons to, oh, this this so-and-so wheel manufacturer wants to work with us on this project. It's opening up a door to use a different brand. Um, and the guys are really open to to exploring that. And, and we've we've really enjoyed the new relationship that this business has brought us as well. It's brought us closer as a team. I I guess I'm sort of mumbling at this point, but 
I wouldn't do it any other way. Like I, I think the way this all worked out for Throttle has been perfect. And would I have liked it to happen quicker than three years? Hell yeah, because we went through all these hardships. But would it made us who we are today? No. Dude, three years is a good time. Yeah, Definitely. I think so. It, Definitely. It was. It was just you know, we've. I can say I. I don't want to say we've made it, but we we're to a point now where the business is. Um, it's not costing us money every month. And that was what was kind of killing us. And that creates this strife between individuals. Like money creates a lot of evil things. And when you're losing money every month, it's really hard to hold it together. Yeah. We did it. We got through it. We're now in the green and we're making money. So now we have to step it up. That's dope, man. That's so good to hear, dude. Especially, like I said, three years, man. I've we've been in business for 10 yeah. years and i feel like this year is is my first year in business you know <laughs> i feel like i gotta step it up you yeah. know every day i feel like i have to step it up it's just well if you don't you're going to become stagnant and your brand won't last much longer you see it happen all the time in in business and that you know people get older in a business they started and they lose their passion the flame goes out and the business either gets sold or fails and yeah. I don't want to see that happen with throttle and i think we're all passionate enough and still early enough that you know we we see a big future ahead definitely man i see it i see it being a big part of the uh the community for sure so the uh the, the business is going great relationships are going great how do you manage to balance out your uh your relationship with your girlfriend <laughs> yeah man so What's rad about Courtney is um, I met her, as I mentioned earlier, while I worked at Falcon Tire. I was actually her boss, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I actually hired her to be a spokesmodel for Falcon. Um, and um, there was a point in my career at Falcon where I actually had to fire her because my <laughs> boss, Nick, we dated for a year without anybody knowing. And uh, because I was her boss and in corporate America, that's yeah. a no-no. Yeah. Um, you get a lot of trouble for that. And Nick finally said to me, I remember the day like it was yesterday. Hey, what's going on with you and Courtney? It was like midnight and we're hanging banners at a racetrack. And I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, dude, I'm your homeboy. I, I can tell something's up. Yeah. What's going on? So I had to tell him. And he, you know, he's like, you know, at the end of the year, you're probably going to have to let her go. It's not cool, you know, with human resources and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I was like, yeah, I know. And so, um, you know, Courtney and I have been together for since 2004. No shit. Yeah, we've been engaged for probably nine years, eight years now. Wow. Neither of us are real huge on the whole marriage thing. So um, she wears a ring and um, we're super happy. And I don't know that we'll ever get married, but yeah. um, it's neither here nor there at this point in our relationship. We love each other and it's not going to change anything. Um, so we just get on. And, uh, She's awesome, and the reason it works is because she's a car chick. Um, if anybody that's listening to this watches the Throttle Channel, you've seen an S14 sitting in our shop that actually belongs to her. Um, it was built um, by myself and the Garage Boso guys, um, you know, with her eye and her touch, and um, she just gets it. She's been in the community, the, the car community, for a long time. She understands that when I work long hours, it's not because I'm out at the bar or at the strip club late it's because i'm at the shop working and would i rather be at home with her hell yes but um the last three years i've been paying my dues and 
uh, working hard, and she's she's rad. She gets it. Um, she she gets down on me now and again, but I think that's normal. Um, when you believe in something and you work hard to make make it successful, there's things that suffer, and most times it's relationships uh, with significant others. And I watched uh, the Defiant ones. Have you ever seen that? Mm, I don't think so. It's, um, I believe it's on Showtime or HBO. It's about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Okay. And it's a four-part series. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. Especially being a business mind guy like you are, you'll appreciate it. There's a lot of brilliant things in there. But one thing I noticed across the board was the only person in <laughs> in that documentary, these are all wildly successful people. Every one of them has been married and divorced multiple times, except for Dr. Dre. <laughs> He's really? been married to his chick forever, but... Uh, most workaholic dudes that start a business or have a concept or idea that they want to see through to the end are not good at relationships, uh, significant other type relationships. They're good at business relationships, but they're so focused on what they're doing that they lose sight of the fact that there's someone at home that loves them that's waiting for them to come home every night because they want to be putting in the extra hours on the business. And that's really difficult. Um, I've seen it. In the last three years with Courtney and I, we've gotten through it, and it's only because she understands the end game, the vision that I have and the guys have for Throttle. So, um, you know, we get through it, and she's awesome. She's awesome with it. So, 2004, bro. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Congratulations, dude. Thanks. That That's definitely huge. Yeah, well, when you find someone like her, you got to, you know, keep them happy and, and make sure that she's... Um, you know she's gonna stick around she's and she knows she's she gets it i think that's uh, a big problem with people in our industry and not even business owners just uh automotive enthusiasts they they don't understand that there's somebody on that other end that loves them and wants nothing from them but their time yep and i see it so many times on uh on facebook and stuff and i'll say um oh my friends are getting married and having babies and i'm getting new wheels and they're kind of like proud it's kind of a joke it's a joke they're proud of it but from me looking at it is just like that is such a shallow way of looking at things that is such a selfish way of of looking at things and of just showing your partner somebody that that loves you unconditionally that a turbo kit matters more to you than Than, they do a sustainable relationship (laughs) yeah and and then these people wonder why they they can't have a girlfriend a wife a family and you know in in my younger days of course i would i would think the the opposite i mean you know what i I don't have time for that i want this i want a supercharger Mm -hmm. i want i want i want these parts you know which which is all good stuff but when you're home alone and your friends aren't answering the phone and you have no one to share dinner with share time with you think of something funny you have nobody to even tell that with (laughs) right like that's reality yeah that's real life these these material objects that we have and no turbo gonna fill that void never dude and and i always say it i say that that money doesn't buy happiness and i always get pushback on that and the, i think most people are just trying to be funny i i think most people honestly i hope so that, but 
Yeah. I hope so. Very but I don't. I, I, Mickey, I really don't think so, bro. Mm. I think that these these people, they they never got. They don't. They're mentally not at that point to think like that. These these material objects won't give me the happiness that like the love and care of another human being would give me yeah that's scary to think about it, it is man and I, I hope i know there's going to be a lot of younger enthusiasts listening to this right now and I, i'm not telling you don't build your dreams and don't don't strive for the best but just realize that that life is about balance yeah. and as as much of a balance as it is to make sure that that your car is tuned so it doesn't blow up you have to make sure you have that same balance showing to the people that actually care about you not just a significant other your parents your your brothers your sister these people that that want to be to to have you in yep. their life to have you around yeah not because of your car was in a magazine because they love you and i see so many people that put the these these material things higher than people that yeah. actually care about them and then they then they get upset like oh well this person didn't support me this yeah those people don't care about you bro no. these people are around and just like you said earlier when you didn't have anything to offer when you were trying to create something from the ground up those people that were hating hey what's up mickey how's it going when you didn't work at falcon anymore mm -hmm. when you didn't have the hookup for tires anymore these people weren't around yep. and that is the majority yep. of people yeah and i i've gone through i've gone through that so many times where as as of late within the last couple of years i've had to dial it down and just focus who's the core who are these people that are going to be around when i'm not around yep. when downstar isn't around you yep. know downstar is it, it it is me but this is this is not everything that i am right, right, this right. is a large part of who i am before before i'm the owner of downstar i'm my parents son yep you know i'm yep. i'm my wife's husband i'm my son's dad yep. and those things are things that are going to carry along way further than any of this stuff yeah. does man yeah, no, for sure. I mean, some big corporate entity could come in and buy this out tomorrow, and then you're just Frank again. Just Frankie. And then little old Frankie. Where do all the people that want them free bolts go? Yeah, dude. <laughs> and I've been able to uh, to decipher that a lot and see who are the yeah. real ones around. Judge and of character is a is a is a good trait to have. Yeah, especially when you've seen so many characters that are represent the opposite mm -hmm. side it makes it a lot easier to see a genuine person yep and see their intent yep yeah i can agree with that wholeheartedly um as i said earlier like i definitely have found out who my real friends are in the last couple of years um not i don't mean friends i we have a lot of friends and we have a lot of industry friends right mm -hmm. so it's, it's a bit different um but uh, it's amazing when you go out and do your own thing uh, the different, the difference in interaction you have with people. Um, I don't want to call people haters because I don't, I don't know that's necessarily hate. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I hate the whole haters love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mentality, like I, I think it's really kind of cop out. But, um, I don't know. I, I hope I've done a good job supporting my friends that have tried to do things on their own or are excited about something even if it is for someone else like I, I hope that i was a good friend and supported them 
um, whether it be, you know, carry their brand on a t-shirt that I wear or, um, you know, when, when I hear somebody ask about something, I say, Hey, you should give this a try, you know, because I'm a friend of theirs and I think of them, I want them to be successful. Um, and I hope that I did a good enough job so that I get that in return. And that's, I guess all you can really do. Yeah. It's crazy that all you would really want is just somebody to believe in you. Yeah. That's and, it. And dude. that's it. Yeah. I don't, I, I like feel so, so weird about getting help and anything physical money or anything from anybody that like, I don't want any of that, dude. Mm-hmm. All I want is when this podcast comes out, just listen to it, yeah. dude. Just yeah. post it up. That's all, all. That's all I really want, dude. Yep. You know, and that's not so much to ask because yeah. I would do the same for you. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think like a lot of people, uh, myself included, I don't like to self-promote. Uh, and I think that a lot of that, uh, what we were talking about earlier, where I didn't want to be on camera and I didn't want to really talk about things I've done or anything like that. I don't want to self-promote. That's not who I am. Um, doing throttle and it being of my being, of my heart, something that I feel strongly about, it's imperative that I talk about throttle and that I ask people to go watch our videos. That's very difficult for me. Um, On a daily basis, almost, we post a video, and if you follow me on Instagram, you see me saying, hey, go check out what we did to the 240 today. I can't tell you how hard that is for me to do. Every day, I go to hit send, and I'm like, this is so cringy, I don't want to do this. (laughs) If you don't, if you don't, believe in yourself enough to do that that's a problem and for me it's something i have to dig deep down and actually make myself do because i don't like putting myself out there to people and i know the people that follow me on instagram are generally my friends and people that follow the channel they expect to see that stuff Mm -hmm. but that's not my style like i don't like doing it but i do it because i believe so much in the brand and that i want my friends and the people that follow our brand to have the visibility of what we're doing. So it's a very fine line of, okay, am I self-promoting too much or is this me marketing my brand? Definitely, man. And um, the other day I was, uh, I was promoing the downtime with downstar, the podcast and telling people to go to iTunes and do a review and my wife, Ashley, she's she's very blunt, dude. And that's one thing that I love is she tells me when, like, she thinks a certain thing that's m- not a good look or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, that's funny that you're you're doing that because, like, you always say that, that it's annoying when people do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I, I totally agree with you. But the reality of it is that I want this podcast to succeed. Yep. And I have to do these things that are out of my character to make it succeed. Exactly. Because nobody else is going to do it. So if you, if you do this podcast, you don't talk about it. You just sweep it under the rug. You did it. You published it. But you don't tell anybody. Nobody knows to go watch it. What, what 5% of your... Theoretically, 5% of the audience that could potentially watch your podcast might find it. At the best. Yeah, at the best. So if you're not saying hey, I did this podcast with so-and-so, go check it out. You're going to, the opportunity for more people to see it is there. And 
that's what I have a hard time with personally. Like, I don't want to be the guy that does that. But in order for the brand to succeed, you and I both need to be doing that. And, uh, you know, it's going to irritate some people. And I think, you know, at my age now, I don't care anymore. Yes. Yeah. We just have to get over it. And this is this is the world we live in today of, um, uh, you know, trying to build a successful brand. And uh, it's either me saying, hey, go check out this video, or it's me buying a, a magazine ad. It's no different. Yeah. Right? I'm just doing it myself with my own face and talking versus creating a, an mm-hmm. ad that's going to, I'm going to pay five grand for in a magazine. Yeah. That's going to be irrelevant anyway. So we might as well be promoting something we believe in. And the people that love us or want to support us should appreciate that, I think. Yeah. I would hope. Yeah. No, definitely, man. And it, it would. The podcast throttle, everything would have grown a lot faster and still to this day will grow a lot faster if we received that support from yeah. these people that that we would appreciate it from. Yeah. There's a certain amount of people uh, that have that, that kind of connection with their followers that it would just take something as small as, hey, I just listened to this podcast. You guys should check it out not even being like a, a corny thing you don't even have to say it was the best podcast you ever heard like a genuine <laughs> a genuine yeah. uh a response or something like that but i listened to it this is my homie go check it out that's it dude but yeah. sometimes that's a little too much for people to do and understandable like you have your own thing going on that's cool man yeah. but when it comes down to the point where our paths have to cross again i'm taking all of that into consideration and when in the future when there's a bigger opportunity that maybe me and you can work on i take all of this mm-hmm. into consideration yeah, for sure you have to because it's like like i said man you you don't have to be doing this you you don't have to come down here and you don't have to talk with me for this time and and have this experience with me yep. and and i appreciate that so much on more than just a business level yep I I think it was it was uh, Joey Lee that said it. He said that I I said the same thing. I appreciate you coming down. He says, you know, I see you doing your thing and I see you hustling, and I want this is me trying to to be a part of it exactly. You know, because there's not that many people that are that are genuinely doing something besides for for financial reasons. And I, I totally expect that from Joey. Yeah, Joey's a great dude, man, and I'm super excited for to see what comes out of him, dude. He is like, he's a different breed, bro. Mm-hmm. Joey is is the kind of guy that people are looking at, but Joey is not saying, "Hey, look at me." Yeah, I for sure. I guarantee Joey can go away from Instagram, and then the day that he would come back, his thing would explode because he has that kind of personality. He's mm-hmm. always been that person. From the beginning, that was that was genuine. Yep. This is me. I can agree with that. This is my opinion. This is what I'm doing. If you guys appreciate it, thank you. If you don't, that's cool because this is my thing. This is what I'm doing, and a lot of people don't have those balls yeah. to do that. He's, you know, he's been doing his thing and believes in what he's doing for a long, long time. Yeah, dude. Shout out to Joey, man. That yeah. that's dope. For sure. And just just to even have somebody like that to come down 
and somebody that I've looked up to ever since I got into the industry. Yeah. And now we've we've built a relationship together. Yep. And for him to believe in what I'm doing to be part of it, like that, it just makes me feel good. Like this yep. this has this has the possibility of being what I see in my head. Yeah. What I see it being. Yeah. yeah, it's always good to have guys like him, you know, supporting and and reciprocating the love that you've given him. Yeah. So speaking with working with uh with guys, how did you and TJ Hunt manage uh, to gain a relationship or yeah. even cross paths. So this is actually a really funny story. And um, <laughs> I actually didn't like TJ, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, when we first started Throttle, we were about a year in. And uh, being in San Diego, uh, my partner Evan was like, hey, there's this YouTuber down here in San Diego called TJ Hunt. Um, I've got a phone call set up with him for Wednesday night at 6.30, whatever. Can you be on the call? We're going to do a Skype. Said, yeah, sure, no problem. So, um, you know, I set up my laptop. We get on the phone call with this kid, and <clears throat> he's, at the time, I think he's 22, 21. Um, and I think at the time he had about 400,000, 500,000 subscribers on YouTube, about the size throttle mm-hmm. is at the moment, um, which back then was very large. Huge. This is This is two and a half, three years ago, uh, two and a half years ago. Um, we get on the call and, uh, you know, we're telling him what throttle is. He was vaguely aware of us <clears throat> telling him what we are, what we're doing, what our goals are, and that we want his support to help us market our brand. And, uh, by, <clears throat> excuse me, by support, I mean, we were going to pay him to shout out throttle on one of his videos as he does for all you know, third-party marketing plugs mm-hmm. that he does in his videos. And he says, yeah, well, <clears throat> it's going to be about 10 grand. That's what I charge um, for a shout-out in a video. And um, that's it. <laughs> so it was very smug um, and sort of cocky. And I didn't, at that time, I didn't understand the YouTube space, being frank. I'm obviously a little older. I didn't come up watching YouTube. Um and at that time, I wasn't watching YouTube at all. Like, I could have cared less. Um, still had cable. I was watching my hockey games, and I was a happy man. <laughs> um, you know, fast forward six months from that call, we get a call back from him. Of course, we didn't have ten grand. We could have given him ten grand, but it wasn't. It would have been all of our money, and we'd have been done if it didn't work. So, six months goes. Oh, he said, you know, I understand if you guys can't afford it. But that's the price, and let's circle back in a year when you guys have grown a little bit and see where we're at. And so we were like, okay, that's fine, whatever. We got off the phone, and I think I, I motherfucked him pretty good. <laughs> uh, but you know, after the call, and it was, it was me being passionate about what we were trying to do, and him basically just slapping us in the face. Um, and I, I sometimes wear my heart on my sleeve most of the time, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so I was upset and, you know, I was like, you know, screw this guy. We don't need him. Blah, blah, blah. We'll do this ourselves. Well, six months goes by and we get a call from TJ, which was out of the blue random deal. He calls Evan and says, man, I can't go anywhere without hearing about you guys. You guys have really shaken things up down here. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And of course me being hardheaded, I'm like, fuck that guy. (laughs) So Evan's like, well, we're set up another call with him. You know, can you be on the call? Yeah. All right. Sure. So I'm on the call, and TJ's tone changed a lot. 
mm-hmm. um, in that six months. And I think he <clears throat> he sat back and realized that what we were doing was a positive thing for automotive and for our area in San Diego. And he decided that he wanted to help us. And he did a shout out for us um, at no charge. And it really helped us kick off Throttle. Um, so looking back without TJ, would we be successful? Yes. Um, have we been more successful with his early help? Yes, we have. Uh, so we owe something to TJ. You know, he, he stuck his neck out for us, uh, after getting off on the wrong foot and, uh, you know, TJ and now I now, or, you know, we talk every day, we're friends, we're buddies. Um, do we hang out a lot? Not really. Uh, it's it's mostly a business relationship. I help him a lot with. Um, I I'm kind of a I don't know sort of a consultant to him at this point where um, he doesn't have a lot of industry connections. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of my background, and I've met a lot of people in the last 15 years. So um, he vets a lot of opportunities through me, and I bring him some opportunities as well. Um, so we have a great working relationship. It helps that we both play ice hockey as well. Um, oh, nice. So he's actually been on the ice with me a bunch. Sweet. And, um, you know, we have a lot in common. We're we're very much alike in a lot of ways, and it's sort of scary, um, down to the food preferences and things that we have. Um, so TJ and I are are very similar individuals, and, um, you know, he's, he's definitely a guy that uh, is very business savvy beyond his years. At 24 years old, Definitely. This, this guy is, uh, he gets it and he understands his space very well. And he's hes helped throttle, understand our space now and where we're going and the future of what we want to do. TJ is now an investor in throttle. So he's actually joined the team. Um, he is one of our advisors on our advisor board and uh, is a big part of our day-to-day operations now. So um, it's neat seeing it actually come full circle from where i was like you know what screw this guy yeah to now working with him every day helping shape our brand and and where we're going so it's cool it's neat it's definitely uh a great relationship and i i love working with him every day that's dope dude have you heard how uh how we ended up meeting no this is crazy bro <laughs> so same thing dude I, I my idea towards youtube was kind of like what the kids are doing yeah, it really didn't have nothing to do with me. Right, I'm doing Downstar and whatever they're doing their thing because all the people that I seen on YouTube were just the younger generation. Mm-hmm. I was on my old guy shit. Right, <laughs> Le- lesson number one: old dudes get out of that yeah. shit. Yeah, you know, times change and you have to change with the time. And that doesn't mean try to be young and be somebody you're no. not. Be you, but just be cognizant of what's going on with the younger generation because. Without the YouTube space, uh, which I had totally turned my nose up to, yep. Throttle would not be where it is today. 100%, dude. And um, then I started getting a little more into YouTube, understanding what it was, and appreciating what those guys were bringing to the table. Right. Right? So I was, I was I'm, I'm always fluid in my thoughts and my ideas of things because I understand times change and the the game the game is different 
Right. No matter what you're into, everything is always going to change and evolve. Even coming from my, my background in, in Best Buy, I seen Best Buy, and the reason that Best Buy is still around to this day and Circuit City, Good Guys, all those are out of business right. is because they changed their business model fluidly. On every, the fly. On the fly, whatever comes up. Okay, Amazon's up. All right, we got to figure something out now. Yep. So I've always been like that. So then I get a DM one day, and someone's like, "Hey Frank, congratulations for being on TJ Hunt's video." And I'm just, and not not like a dick, but I'm just like, "Oh, who's that?" Yeah. And he shoots me the link, so I check it out, and the uh, the v- YouTube video we have it embedded in our website yeah, now, seen, and it's one, yeah. TJ holding up like a bolt in the air. I'm like, what the hell? So I click it and watch the video, and he did a whole install video of the Fender Flare hardware. Yeah. On I was the actually there during that. No way. But I was off camera. Yeah. Of course. So <laughs> turns out that uh, Eric Anderson yep. is the one that told TJ, hey, you should check out Downstar for the hardware, and I'm like forever grateful to him for that. Yeah. So I watched the video, then I see his subs, and it was like 600k at that time mm-hmm. and i i had already known that 600k is not something to laugh about Mm-mm. you know anything over 100 is these people are taking it seriously yep. and i know that that shout out is not something that comes for free right like you said yep. ten thousand bucks or whatever it is yeah. right so i watched this video watch the install see some of the comments i get a couple more messages I'm like, damn, that's fucking crazy. This dude didn't have to do this. Yeah, he did it because he wanted to. So I looked up on our database, looked up the order, found his number. I said, fuck it. <laughs> he told me this story. Gave actually. him a call. Yep. I said, fuck it. Gave him a call. Hey, man, speak to TJ. Please. Oh, this is, hey, TJ, what's up, man? This is Frank from Downside of the Hardware. You know what, man? I really appreciate you doing that video for us. You, you didn't have to do that, man. Anything you need from here on now just hit me up this is my personal line all right cool man whatever sure enough he hit me up took care of him and ever since then we've been working together Slowing, yeah. and it, that's like i said one of those times where you get that little alley-oop and i could have been a dick about it yeah. i could have been like i don't know who that kid is this youtube yeah. shit i don't know what that is you know but me being savvy me being understanding the community as a whole yep. not just the elite guys not just the ogs I'm I'm keeping an eye on these young dudes that are growing up. These guys with just a thousand subs. I'm keeping an eye on everybody. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And for me to to reach out, I, I have zero doubt in my mind that the reason that the Fender Flare hardware has blown up as it has is because of the outlet that he's given us. And I always say this: fifty percent is the product, and the other fifty percent is how you market it. Yep. And we had the product. The product is great, and it hasn't changed since the time that we've released nope. it. But the sales of that product have just skyrocketed, yeah. and that's just because more eyes Awareness. have been aware of the the product that we offer. Yep. And that's just another lesson to people, guys. It's like your your pride and your ego can can get you in a or hold you from getting to the next level, or at least making those the relationships. Yeah, I've. I've- you know, a couple of my past work experiences, I've been in marketing teams that had no offense to the guys, just older dudes, and they're stuck in their ways, and they didn't want to hear anything other than what they knew, and because what they knew worked. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It worked ten years ago. 
doesn't work today. Yep. And you see it more often than not. But a lot of times, especially in corporate America, these guys are tenured and they're not going anywhere. And their hard-headedness is going to end up not helping the company, even though they've got a big fat paycheck and their cushy job. They're still doing the same thing they were doing 10 years ago, and it doesn't benefit the company whatsoever, but the company doesn't get it either. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, definitely, man. It's those opportunities. You got to take them, no matter how scary they are, no matter how uncomfortable, like just calling some random dude. <laughs> And just hoping he's like... I, I remember that day. Actually, really? Because I remember him saying, oh, Frank from Downstar just called me and said that, you know, whenever we needed something, just hit him up and he would make sure that it got shipped out quickly and you know, look, like, look after us pretty well. And I was like, oh, cool. And that's it's been a slippery slope since then. We've just been just jamming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like I said, every once in a while from his channel, from your channel, just from people around, they'll always mention it back to us as everywhere yeah dude and it it just makes me feel good because it's not it's not a contract it's not a ten thousand dollars per mention right right. it's a yo i see the vision that you guys are trying to do let me know i just want to be part of it if i can help out in any sort of way and i feel like those are the best relationships to have man and if they're in the future if they turn into friendships or whatever so be it but at least you have some if you're on the same page in in some way, mm-hmm. you know, and, for sure, and it, it, it's really dope, man. So I know that there's gonna be a lot of younger guys that look up to what what you guys do with the YouTube space, and they want to know how they can position themselves to be to be there. So would you have any <laughs> sort of advice or tips that maybe they could work off of? Yeah, man, this is actually. Pardon me. This is actually um, the most asked question I get at uh, at car shows when I go. Um, a lot of aspiring YouTubers out there, and um, a lot of them are very young. I mean, there's you know, I have six, seven, eight year old kids going really? want to be YouTubers. Oh wow! Uh, I, yeah, the last weekend at uh, Stansford, Seattle, there was a little guy named Phoenix. Shout out to Phoenix. Yeah, came up to me and he was. Uh, I think he was seven or eight years old, and he had 3,000 followers on, um, not Twitch, another social media thing that I'm not involved with at all that I yeah. need to look into, because this kid at that age has 3,000 followers already. So, <laughs> um, At any rate, uh, yeah, so to answer your question, the the hardest part uh, is the consistency, and I think you've started, you have a YouTube channel, and you can see that. Uh, mixed with your daily business life and running a business, having a family, um, filming your day-to-day operation or day-to-day activity, sitting down, editing it, making it something that's watchable for the general public and relevant, and then posting it is the hardest part. Um, a lot of people don't have editing skills. Um, a lot of people don't have, you know, they, they think they need to have a fancy camera, which you do not. Um, there's a very well-known YouTube channel out there, I'm not going to mention any names, that has over a million subs, and they use iPhones. No shit! Yep. Wow! And they're very successful. Um, the key part to all this isn't the components, it's the time. Mm-hmm. And the most common misconception is that it's easy. Because what you see on YouTube is the end result of someone planning a YouTube video, filming it all, 
acquiring the parts needed to do whatever it is you're doing in the video, if it's an automotive related video or whatever, um, downloading all that footage, editing it into something that's digestible by your <laughs> viewing um, uh, people, and then launching it. So there's a lot that goes into it that you don't see. You just see this end result video that's up on YouTube. But you don't realize that there was hours put into that. So um, the hardest part is being consistent. So if you aspire to be a YouTuber, um, I would say focus on your consistency. And I think you and I have had this discussion many times. The more consistent you are, the more people get used to seeing your name pop up as a, um, you know, when your videos come up on their screen and they more anticipate it coming up and going to watch it. So consistency is king in the YouTube world. If you can be consistent, you will be successful. Um, it's a full-time job. Yeah. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize how, how much time goes into it. It will be your full-time job. So you have to know that going in. Now, who does your guys' editing? Yeah, so we've been fortunate in that we found a young automotive enthusiast out of school who has schooling Sick. in editing um, who has fit into our team absolutely flawlessly. Like He's the perfect guy. Uh, and we got lucky in that, uh, in that aspect. But uh, his name is Victor, and he's in some of our videos now, but he's not... He has no desire to be in the videos. He just wants to edit and and be a part of, of our vision, which is awesome. Shout and, out uh, to Victor, man. That's yeah, dope. Bro. He's the real deal. And um, he's one of the main reasons why our channel has succeeded in the last six months. Um, so he's there every day. And myself, Ricky, Evan, Rick, we all film all day long what we're doing um, and you know planning and all that. And we hand it off to Victor. Victor is so good that he understands our vision and what we're trying to accomplish because he's done it a bunch that he's able to take that footage and create something that's desirable to watch. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing is making content that people want to click on and they want to go watch it because it's exciting to them or it's, you know, something up their alley that they're into for us. It's automotive. Um, so yeah, Victor's, he's the man. And so we've been able to uh, take from Evan doing our editing, which, like I said, is a full-time job. Definitely. So besides the business, he was also doing our video editing, which is too much. Yeah. Um, it was getting us off track and we couldn't focus. So bringing in Victor on a part-time basis, which is what he was up until about a week ago, we just fully hired him Sweet. a week ago. So yeah. he's actually on payroll now and that's his job every day is to come in, grab the video content from yesterday's video work, and make a video out of it and post it the next day. Of course, we approve everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and we watch them and do all that with them. But um, without him, we would still be stuck in a rut trying to juggle too many things. And no, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, if there's another Victor out there, dude, please, please hit me up. There's a lot of young guys out there, you know, YouTube being uh, such a, a viable outlet nowadays that there's a lot of guys coming out of, um, you know, trained schooling that are able to do it. And, uh, entry level guys that just want to get involved and and uh you know they don't need a million dollars to to get them on board mm -hmm. and um you know that's one lesson that i learned coming up in automotive was my hunger to be involved in aftermarket automotive um in the space that we're in is what got me 
those first couple of jobs because I didn't give a shit if I was sweeping the floor, yeah, um, cutting up old tires to throw them away. Like I didn't care what it was. Just let me do the job. Yeah, and it was my hunger that got me to where I am today. And if you guys are a video editor and you're hungry, you're gonna take a job working for Frank or working for whatever upstart company or you know whatever opportunity comes along. Just take it. Yeah, and make it your role. Just kill it and that's what you have to do and that opens up other opportunities yeah um like i was telling you before off uh off air that i definitely want to get back on youtube and not just vlogging i would love to get back to vlogging you know but i i want to do tutorials on how the product is installed what it looks like before yeah. and after so people get the whole image before they even press yeah. uh, add to cart um, yeah, I want to market for that. Definitely, man. I want to put this, the, the podcast, I want to put that on, um, Sick. on YouTube and, uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking for somebody like, like that, that you explain like yeah. Victor and somebody who understands the vision and understands what we bring to the yeah. table. Yeah. And this, this ain't a get rich quick scheme. Definitely. You gotta come in here, work hard, do your thing and opportunities come about yeah and we we definitely have the opportunities uh we we do so much cool stuff all the time going to shows doing this and that will be part of your job yeah but if you come in here expecting to make certain amount of money or coming with demands before you even prove yourself that that's what really turns me off a lot that's the wrong approach yeah definitely um i hate to be the old guy but I see it a lot more today mm-hmm. than I ever have. Hundred percent, dude. Just uh, you know, expecting things to be handed over and nothing worth having is, you know, you have to work for it. So. Yeah, you know what I always say, dude, is there's a uh, there's these people that they have a job and they get paid X amount of money, and the first thing that they say is my job's chill. I really don't do much. I get paid this much to do nothing. And and what I always tell them is like, you realize that that's all that the company values you at Mm -hmm. as somebody to just watch this camera or to just walk around or, or whatever your job would be. That's your value. That's your worth. Having a job that somebody just look that having a job that is as important as, Oh, it's just chill. I, I just do this, do that. That is, that's kind of a disrespectful thing to say about yourself is mm-hmm. that your worth is only this much where you're doing the job that uh, a robot will be doing, you know, uh, in the future. Pretty much. And <laughs> I think that people should definitely value themselves more than that because the time that you're spending at this job, no, granted, if you're making 20 bucks an hour, that's cool. But you could be making way more than that if you actually tried. Yep. yep. And and I see that happen a lot too, man. And it's but I just do know that there's those 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 diamonds in the rough that are that are probably listening right now yeah. and just want to be part yep. of something. Don't be afraid to grab the broom, boys. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <clears throat> Definitely. So, going back to Throttle, how did Ricky become a part of the team? <laughs> That's actually a pretty cool story. So after I moved down to San Diego, uh, I was working at HRE. I was, you know, working in an office at an automotive company is cool. Um, But I was seeking more automotive in my life. So I would go to Cars and Coffee on, you know, Sunday mornings and 
try to be involved in the community of car stuff going on in, in the San Diego area, which there wasn't much or isn't much, honestly. Um, I met him at a Cars and Coffee because he had a Datsun 510 with a rotary engine in it. And at that time, I had an A86 Corolla with a S2000 motor in it. And uh, we loved each other's cars. Like, I think if we could have traded cars, we would have. <laughs> um, but yeah, I met him in front of a Starbucks just because... I heard him pull in and I heard the brap, 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 <laughs> And if you know anything about me, I love rotary engines. So um, I walked over and in typical Ricky Styles fashion, the, the car was pretty hammered and attention to detail isn't really there. But um, mechanically, the car was spot on and uh, sounded amazing and just had all the right bits. Yeah. That's one one type of car build that I'm not able to pull off. That's the sort of patina... Um, I hope Ricky doesn't think this wrong. Like kind of, a, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Sort of attitude towards, as long as it works, that's yeah. that's fine with me. And that's Ricky's style. And that's why I came up with the hashtag Ricky Styles because he he has a way of doing things that, even though it's not necessarily my idea of right or cool or um, how I would do it, it works for him and he pulls it off so well like i look back at all his cars and i'm like no way could i ever build that car not in a million years I yeah could, i build this car and this man drives down every day well okay so let's back up i met him at cars and coffee because okay. we were geeking out over each other's cars that was like eight years ago um nah couldn't have been that long ago yeah it was, it was <laughs> wow time flies shit. so anyway um fast forward Till now, present day, I a year ago I bought the RX-7, and that was my first rotary project, which I've always wanted one. Wanted one for 15 years, never had one. I've worked on race teams that raced rotaries. I've been around rotaries, just never owned my own. This was my chance when we started the throttle. YouTube channel was starting to get bigger. We needed a new project. I was like, you know what? Now's the time. Took whatever money I had, bought uh, bought an RX-7 off the. Uh, ex-editor of Super Street Magazine. It was a project he had laying around that he, he sort of didn't have time for. So he sold it to me. Um, and my friend Nick from Falcon is the mm-hmm. one that found the car for me, actually. Um, went and bought it with TJ, brought it back. And in the first video, I ripped off an exhaust system that was on hanging on the car, but it was dragging on the ground because they couldn't put it up because it had a body kit and it was a twin apex exhaust. It didn't fit in the hole. Mm. So they just left it dragging on the ground. So... <laughs> I looked at it. It was all hacked up and kind of shitty. And so I was like, I just took it off and threw it in the dumpster. Well, later that night, I got a text from Ricky. Hey, um, this is Ricky from Cars and Coffee. Uh, we never kept in touch. And he's like, uh, I would love to have that exhaust for my wife's car. Could I have it or could I buy it? He would never say, could I have it? Yeah. Um, he's like, could I buy it from you? And I was like, ah, bro, uh, I just threw it in the dumpster today. It's probably still in the dumpster if you want to go to the shop and grab it. He's like, oh, I live up in Menifee, which is an hour at best away. Uh, and I was like, yeah, man, it's there. If you want to go check and see, you can go grab it or whatever. He's like, okay, cool. And I get a text later on that night. Hey, bro, went to the shop. Uh, the m- exhaust was gone. Ah. So he didn't get it. <laughs> so that like sort of spawned our conversation back and forth via dm like you know what are you doing with the rx7 now blah, blah blah we're talking and he's just a really like 
salt of the earth guy like um one of the most genuine people i've ever met in my life and i didn't pick up on it right away uh, when i first met him we hit it off but like now it's a you know day to day every day we talk and uh you know our families hang out and it's it's much more than just a car guy friendship um so yeah that's how ricky sort of got input into throttle is that because of his background in rotaries and uh, our friendship i started bringing him in to help with rx7 because he wanted to he was just donating his time coming to help me strip the car down and get it ready for paint and all that and uh dude we pulled we pulled ridiculous hours. That car got built from an absolute pile of shit that was ready to go to the junkyard to what it is today. And we built it in like three months, top to bottom. And without his help, it couldn't have been done. There's no way. So after the car was built, he he hung around helping me with some of the other projects. And then finally, um, we made him an offer to bring him on the team, like not full time, but um, you know, four hours a day or whatever he has available because he has a full-time job as well. Mm-hmm. So throttle is not even his bread and butter. That's just something he does for fun and we yeah. pay him to be there. Um, but without him, dude, the shop wouldn't be the same. YouTube wouldn't be the same. Like he's basically embedded himself in our brand and he's one of us now. So he's not a founding member of throttle, but he is as important to the team as anybody there. Yeah, his uh, his presence and his personality is, is very genuine. Man. <laughs> that time that I went but to the shop, but that's him, dude. That's you're not seeing a facade. Yeah, that's one you, can, can, you can definitely tell that yeah. for sure. Yeah, when I went to the shop and I, and I was checking out the car, and that's when he was doing uh, his wife's car. Yep. And we just did a bunch of random color of hardware yeah. around. He was super appreciative, very yep. nice guy, and yep. somebody down to earth that he's awesome. Was able just just to talk to him and have a good conversation that didn't have to do with parts or cars or cloud or anything like yep. that. It was just a normal guy. Yep. And uh, I don't know if that that if that comes more with older yeah. age. Yeah, he's he's in between your age and my age yeah so i i think that been around and i think the guys that have been in the scene for a long time have sort of this calmness about them and they don't get too wound up about things just sort of um sort of get it i guess is i don't really know how to explain it but he's definitely one of those guys yeah he's very genuine and um man he's like a brother to me at this point we're we're together every day and building cool shit and We'd have it no other way. That's awesome, yeah. bro. Dude, congratulations for everything, Mickey. For real, dude. Thanks, man. Just to be able to uh, have this as your full-time job and to be able to love it, <laughs> you know? That's that's so yeah. much as it is right there. Yeah. I mean, it's not comforting hitting the reset button on your career that you've worked so hard to build at 40 years old. Um, there were nights where I didn't sleep because I was like, what am I doing? I'm investing everything I've ever worked for into this brand. That's nothing at the moment. And, uh, you know, monetary time, as you say, is money as well. And, Mm um, just, yeah, it it is tough at 40 years old to do that. Um, would I do it again? Yeah. Because I think I have the knowledge to do it now. Um, yeah it was tough so i i appreciate you seeing that no definitely man uh, i'm glad that uh that you were able to make it here today and have this combo <laughs> dude because yeah, it's a I, big drive dude. I, I, 
<laughs> I don't think that there would be any other chance that we would have this convo because it would seem kind of weird if the the mics weren't around. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, we get all the time, you know, in the comment section of our videos. Mickey, do do us sit down and tell about your story because a lot of people like they hear TJ made a big joke about how many places I've worked, and it really hasn't been that many mm-hmm. if you think about it. Yeah, at my four age, four or five I've or whatever. four or five yeah. places, not that many, but. The ongoing joke is like Mickey's worked at NASA, Mickey's worked here, Mickey's worked there. And um, it's not that I've worked a lot of places, it's that I've worked with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, one thing we didn't even touch on was my presence in the Formula D paddock and being involved with Formula Drift since 2003 and, uh, you know, working with Mad Mike as a wrench uh, on his four rotor car for two years in the paddock. And, uh, you know, a lot of that goes back to my time at Falcon, but. It goes beyond that and working with people is sometimes even more important than working for a yeah. certain company um, so my breadth of uh, people that I know in the industry is very large because of the formula drift paddock community and the people that you meet out there which are all very hands-on car building type of people most of the things I know or I've learned from those guys that were building the Falcon drift cars or wrenching for so and so you know chris forsberg's 350z team or whatever back in the day uh, and those are all people that i owe a debt of gratitude to for um if i didn't know something i was learning yeah this whole time and a lot of people ask me how did you learn so much about cars well first of all i don't know everything about cars there's a lot i still need to learn and the things i did learn just happened to be because i was smart and opened my ears and shut my mouth and just watched what people were doing and learn from them because they'd done it before they fucked it up before and fixed it and they could give me those shortcuts and i was just in the right places at the right time and paying attention and it's really important to do that and it has a lot to do with you as well as a person there's not a lot of people that would give that advice or time or let them be around the the behind the scenes of things if they weren't if they didn't have the personality that you do and to be able to to look back and show gratitude to these guys that did stuff for you that helped you get to this point that's Mm -hmm. that's another rare thing to see as well and that that's a that's a really attractive quality to have and not just a, a a business or business partner or whatever but just in in an actual another human being someone yeah. to understand that they're not the best and they're still learning and they're, they're on their journey and you see a lot of guys nowadays that they 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 feel uh superior to everybody that they know everything and when i see somebody like that i see somebody that that they've plateaued you're done where you're at right here because you've stopped learning yeah there's you know there's a tendency to get stuck in your ways i think uh we're all i think susceptible to that it's it's how you shake that off and and uh continue to learn and grow and it goes back to the whole youtube thing like you shut that off right like what was I thinking? Yeah. Why? And that was a huge lesson in my life. It was like, don't shut off the youth. Don't shut off technology that you don't understand. Figure it out. You're smart. Figure it out, dude. Yeah. Because everybody else is going to figure it out if you don't. So um, I guess the biggest lesson to take away from all this is um, something that was said to me a long time was you have two ears and one mouth. Use them accordingly. And I, I sort of live my life by that now. Uh, it took me a long time to sort of see the light 
about that saying. Yeah. But it's true. If you listen to what people say, if they're the right people, it's usually really good information or advice. Um, so surrounding yourself with good people and listening is very important. Dope, man. <clears throat> Those are definitely uh, good advice to give. And I always tell people, a smart man learns from their mistakes, but a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. You know, And I have no problem telling the mistakes that I've learned because <laughs> it's got me to this point. And yeah. to today, right now where I'm at, I wouldn't change it for anything. If you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. Definitely, man. <laughs> and before I make this mistake by closing out the podcast... We have to talk about that EG, bro. <laughs> are people going to be two hours in? I don't know. Hell yeah, dude. Bro, I've done podcasts that are three hours in. Oh, and my God. People are asking for more, dude. So you got the uh, time. We got the audience. I got the time. Hell yeah, dude. Um, so my EG, I guess we touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, it's a nine, for all intents and purposes, it's a 1992 uh, EG6 SIRS, which was a japan only model as you know um sirs model from my understanding was limited to 3000 cars only distributed in japan um what made it special um was basically just add-on bits from the factory from honda optional parts um it was a leather steering wheel leather wrap shift knob and boot that was one piece um the door stickers that everybody overuses nowadays, the ones that say dual overhead cam VTEC real it's big. Like a, yeah. It's at yeah, the yeah, front yeah. of the door. Yeah. Those are SIRS only decals. And all the ones you see on cars there are misused. And I took them off. <laughs> yeah. I've bought three sets of those. No decals. shit. Dude, I would put them back on this yeah. day if I had. So them, the bro. only cars that came with those were SIRS model. Um, and there's a couple other bits. The, uh, the first Honda, uh, Keyless key remote yeah, yeah, yeah. was on the SIRS model. That was 1992. Uh, if infrared. I'm not mistaken, the um, the the uh, side side moldings were silver. They're or like silver. a yeah, yeah, like yeah. a charcoal gray. Actually, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I actually have one still from my original car because I painted all mine white at this point. But uh, which, looking back, kind of kicking myself. Oh, and it was also an optional color on the SIRS. It was called Louisiana Green. Uh huh was uh oh, wow. only available on the other side i have the bit that i bought the brochure from the dealer at home i have it i should have brought it with me um i save all that weird stuff but Dude, uh, that shit's dope i actually had it all translated by my friend at hre who's japanese he uh-huh. translated the whole brochure from that so i found out they only made three thousand no them. nobody way. else knew the the production number dude i still have i'm pretty sure one of the side moldings from a fender I still have it because I wanted I to make sure well. that I, I kept that color. I have the same thing. And when I first got my car, I painted the engine bay that same exact color. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's, that's the color cool. that it was. And black was an original color. Yeah. It was black, red, and Louisiana gray. They never came with sunroofs because mm-hmm. it was considered the premier sports model. Yeah. Higher than an SIR. Higher than SIR2. SIRS was like the premium sports package you could get and that's with the momo steering wheel that's like wrapped all the way around if you if you go on speed hunters if you google the man who restored a honda there will be an article about my car that'll pop up on speed hunters and it goes through all that in the article shows you all the parts i i've collected every part uh from the sirs except for the single piece leather shift knob and boot i cannot find one anywhere in the world yeah mine did i've been looking for 10 years mine had a razo yeah (laughs) Yeah. It's a Razo shift so, knob. Funny story about my car and how I obtained it. 
was while I was working at Falcon, um, we had a partner uh, in a JDM import company that was helping us get parts for the drift cars, and he became a friend of mine. And I went to his shop to drop something off one day, and he was importing JDM parts to resell. Well, he imported a whole car at, at Niji, and he stripped it down, sold all the bits. You know, all the guys wanted the um, all the special yeah, Niji yeah, six yeah. parts from Japan, so he would sell all that stuff. So he just had a shell thing that he couldn't sell because he sold the motor, the drivetrain, the glass, everything. And I look over, and I'm getting ready to leave, and I see this car sitting in the corner of his lot, and I, it's all covered and shit. And what's going on with that shell over there? He goes, Ah, it's worthless. I'm sending it off to the scrap heap. No shit. Yeah. And I said, Really? Can I look at it? He goes, Yeah, go ahead and have a look. And I'm broke, dude. Yeah, it's broke. Shit. I just started at Falcon. Um, so I go over and look at it. And it's got a big dent in the the rear hatch trunk is all dented in. And I noticed the moldings and the SIRS badging on it. And I, I vaguely knew that it was like a, a special model, but I didn't know why. Like at that time, I never did any research. But mm-hmm. I loved those cars. I, I wanted an EG since they were new. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford it when they were new because they were at the dealer at that time. And um, so... Couple of days goes by, I hit him up. I'm like, "Hey, did you get rid of that EG?" He's like, "No, I still got it here." I was like, um, "Can I buy it?" And he's like, "Well, you can't register it or anything. It's, you know, it's, it was brought in for parts." I was like, "Okay, that's not a big deal. I'm gonna build a race car out of it anyway." And uh, he goes, "Yeah, I need a set of tires. I just bought a SUV. I need some 22s. Can you swap me some tires for it?" I was like, "Sure thing." Mm-hmm. So I bought the tires delivered them to him with the trailer grabbed the car and took it home with me well it sat under a car cover in my carport for eight years untouched <laughs> i didn't have any money to do anything with it um and i was working too much i was at falcon i was traveling majority of the weekends out of the year we were on the road and stuff doing events and things so um finally when i got around to uh working on the car uh, i put it together i painted it some blue color and I didn't really follow the rules of the road, so to speak, with the SIRS mentality, like keeping it original and all that. And I, I got it done, and I looked back at it, and I'm like, man, because I didn't have the budget that I wanted to spend on the car, I kind of cut some corners. So I'm going to go back and redo this thing. So I stripped it all back down to bare metal again, took it to the premier body shop in San Diego. I spent about $18,000 restoring the car. So painting and everything. It was on a rotisserie, fully. Wow. Everything resprayed. Um, and I picked a white color, um, which, as I said earlier, that was never available in white. But all my cars that I built are typically white. I, I love white cars. And uh, so I put white on it. And I painted all the moldings. I painted the drip rails and all that stuff. And um, looking back, would I, would I have done it differently? Maybe. I think I might have kept it one of the original three colors just for history's sake but at the end of the day it's my car and i wanted it to be somewhat custom so to me it doesn't hurt the value of the car i mean at the end of the day it's an eg was is it really valuable yeah probably not it's valuable to me and um that's my outlook so when i built it i put all mugen parts i I love mugen stuff because it's very oe fitment is very good um it's not overly loud and obnoxious when you speak of the exhaust and uh, headers and stuff like that so for me it was like the perfect add-on bits to make the car different but still very valuable to me and cool looking some mugen stuff so basically threw everything mugen at it stock engine i wanted to keep the stock engine harness and stuff looking 
very similar. So when you open the hood, it almost looked like a catalog car. Yeah. That was the idea. And it was funny because I got the car done and I was very anti-forum and stuff at that time. I wasn't looking at anybody else's builds when I built it. I just hold myself up in the garage and put this thing together. And actually about that time is when I found your car because I was searching for parts for an mm-hmm. SIRS. I punched an SIRS into Google and a story about your car came up. And that's how I first found out about you, your brand, and your car. Really? Yeah, because of the SIRS. What year was this? It had to have been somewhere around 2000. If I were to guess, I'd say 2012 or 13. Okay, gotcha. Your car had already been done. Yeah, it could have been the uh, S3 feature maybe that was on it it was something online because i remember being like oh shit this guy's in cali too cool i can't wait to meet him and talk sirs because i was the only one i knew that had one in the states yeah and i was searching for information i wanted to know more about these cars i knew there was a lot more stuff to know and i didn't know it all so um at any rate yeah i just continued on with the build and and it is the way it sits now and the reason I have those oddball wheels on it, the full face wheel, is because while I was working at HRE, we were doing a vintage line. That was part of the line that Patrick and I, the other marketing guy, wanted to develop was a vintage line, using utilizing the heritage of Hayashi Racing as a, um, what do you call it, as a uh, sort of a catalyst to the line. So going back and looking at the heritage of that brand and bringing those styles up to speed with modern fitment and styling. Mm-hmm. So in searching around, I found this full-face Hayashi Racing center lock wheel, and I'm like, what is this? This is awesome. Yeah. Um, It's from 1984, and it was created for the Corolla, Toyota Corolla, when it first came out, the rear-wheel drive Corolla that I actually had one of. Mm -hmm. And so I found these wheels brand new in the box, new old stock from 1984. Mind you, this is 2012. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm buying these wheels. So I can bring them to HRE, show them to them. We can design the 20-inch versions or 18 to 20s that are going to go on Porsches and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So I bought it as a model for them to use to build off of to recreate that wheel. And then I stripped it, powder-coated it, and made it for my car, basically. So adapt. I put the Type R suspension on the car, so I had 4114, which is what a Corolla Mm -hmm. is. So the adapters bolt on. So that's how I was able to get the center locks on it and all that stuff. So it's a really neat story because I basically reached into HRE's history of Hayashi Racing to find these wheels and then put them on my car when I restored it, which was, to me, it means a lot. Yeah, definitely. Those wheels will probably never come off that car. Um, The fact that I actually have two sets of them now. Somebody reached out to me online and said, hey, I've got a set of these wheels still brand new in the box, but they're missing the center lock center lock adapters you're the only person i know that owns a set of these adapters would you want the wheels and i said well how much are you asking he's like dude throw me 300 bucks they're yours they're brand new in the box so i have two sets of them dude. I have an original set in the silver with all the cool stickers and everything and then i have my refurbished set that i did Sweet, dude. so they're not worth anything to anybody else to me it's more history of hre and me being a part of that project and yeah. restoring the car and it all just sort of makes sense for me if I were to sell the car, it's probably the first thing someone would take off of it. <laughs> it's okay. It, it has its, its own look, dude. Your your car definitely does yeah. have its own look. Yeah. Love it or hate it. It's it's definitely one that uh, I get a lot of comments on the car, 
but I don't know if people like it or not. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. And I really don't care. You know, I, I built it for me and I love it. So, um, you know, we never talked about the fluoro, fluoro yellow hit on all my cars. I was just going to say <laughs> that. What made you pick that, uh, that highlighter color that's yeah. an accent on the car? It's funny because it goes back to, <laughs> oh shit, you got the kicks on. Well, so here's the thing that all goes back to my running days. And when I was a runner, um, cross country and track, yeah. um, my parents would come watch me run. And a lot of times in cross country, as you know, you run through the woods and you're far away from where the people are watching. There was this one pair of Nike running shoes that was fluorescent yellow or Volt, mm-hmm. as it's called. Um, I got those shoes numerous years in a row because it made it easy for my mom to find me when I was running because <laughs> I was the only one that had them. And they're yeah. super bright and she could see it from across the field. So the floral yellow shoes sort of became a a thing for me as a runner so then when i started building cars for myself i was like well how can i tie this into my personality like what would someone think about if they saw this car and that was what came to mind was oh the fluoro sneakers or running shoes so i integrated the volt color into my project cars which as i mentioned earlier are mostly always white so it's almost always white and fluoro with like a gray or a blue which are a yeah. couple of my other favorite colors and uh so that's where that all came from and so i just sort of carried over onto all my builds dude that's funny when i was doing a pre-production yesterday i was going through your instagram just thinking of like topics and stuff and dude as far as i could scroll 2012 or whatever you keep seeing that color pop up yeah and i I seen that picture where you had like the whole outfit on yeah it was the whole bold color outfit on and i was was like damn old that's tight dude that's that's really cool that your your build has a story to it. Yeah. And I, I, I would definitely recommend people going that route as opposed to just doing what is what in at the time, yeah. what's the trend, what are the popular dudes doing, because trends and all of that stuff change mm-hmm. over time. And it's um it's 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 better to have a car that tells a yeah. story well it's no different than your gray eg out there yeah. with, the, with the graffiti the engine bay and stuff that all you know it can mean nothing to me mm-hmm. but to you that's the heart and soul of that build like because that means something to you whether it be your past or um you know you used to be a graffiti i don't know what yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what the correlation is there but like to you that means a lot yeah and that's what the fluoro and white means to me is a lot it means nothing to you um but I, I challenge anybody that's building cars today to integrate their soul into what they're building because at the end of the day, if you're building it for IG clout, you're building it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You need to build it to make yourself happy. That when you get in it, it's an extension of you and what you're about. And that's why I do that to my cars because I want people to see it and to see it as a big Mickey. That's, that's Mickey. That's yeah. what he's about. That's his shit. Boom. People yeah. see those cars and apparently they know it's mine. That's cool. Like to me, that's you're winning. I've talked about this before, man. Is uh, uh, cars they're inanimate objects, materialistic and and so on, but they have a life mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. The that that EG that's in the garage now, it's gonna live on from here mm-hmm. until the final day 
when it goes to the junkyard or what have you becomes scrap Mm -hmm. and then those particles still become something else Mm -hmm. until that they're in their final resting place that car is going to live on yeah past me yep so one one thing with that uh guys this is the heavy in the streets eg the one the gray one with the graffiti and stuff that car belonged to ryan hegner the um ceo of ibot i didn't know that yeah dude (laughs) so back back in the day ryan had that eg it was a red eg and uh that was when he was in the in in the midst of it going to meets Mm -hmm. and doing things like that people back in the day they remember him for that car i didn't know crazy right yeah yeah i recall the car so then from from there it ended up going to gill at circuit hero Okay. So uh, this was back in 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. That car actually ended up getting cover of Honda tuning. It was that gray color. It was a K swap, and um, can't remember that much more off. It had like ASC uh, parts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, looked really good. I remember seeing that car at an Eibach or whatever because you know you're you're in it so you see okay that's the new circuit hero build or whatever yep so then they ended up partying the car out and they were just selling the shell and at that time it was probably 2014 late 2014 and i had already done everything i wanted to do with my srrs and i wanted a new build so i ended up buying the shell from them and they're out uh out your way too i believe in san diego circuit hero yeah didn't know that yeah <laughs> i follow um, them on ig and everything yeah no idea so n- now they, they had sold circuit hero maybe a few years back maybe about three years oh, ago okay. so it's not the same guys gotcha. anymore but when those guys were in the midst of it they they were killing it dude yeah with that car sure. and then they had their uh it was like a black integra uh I, I believe so i remember that yeah so the circuit hero guys so I bought the shell from them and got the car, and then I started shaving the bay, but it didn't come out how I wanted it to. Like I, I had my buddy, and he was shaving it for me, but it was a side thing for him, mm-hmm. so he can only do it every once in a while. So it, di- it wasn't moving as fast as I wanted to. Right. So the car sat for like oh, two, geez. three years at least, rusted out engine bay because oh, the metal God. was raw, grinding away at it and stuff. So then one day, I, I in the restroom, I have um, like a hit-up board where you tag on it or whatever. I wrote the exact date that I came up with the idea. One day, I was like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. This The engine bay is, is half-shaven. I don't care, bro. I want to do a graffiti theme in it because in 2009, 2008, Hybrid Racing, they did their Del Sol with the graffiti engine bay in it. Oh, okay. And that was like one of my top three favorite engine bays. Like that car looks so awesome. Not not the car, because to be honest, I don't even know what the whole, the car looked like. It was <laughs> you just were, You were inspired bay. by the engine bay. Yeah. The picture of it, it would be on NWP and stuff. And for it to be K-Series back then, like dude, that if you had a K-Series in 2008, 2009, around then, that you balling yeah. bro because you're talking at least 10 g's yep right and um sidebar i don't know if you remember the hybrid racing video where they have where they're racing and it's like um guns and roses playing and they're racing an evo and it pops up like evo fucking 97 pounds of boost k-series stock you know nah, I, just I never saw that dude it's such a classic video bro up, and once it, when i seen that video i was like oh shit so 
I had this idea about that car. The it wasn't that same car, but it was just like, dude, this is the hybrid yeah, racing Del that Sol. That type, yeah. So I always fell in love with that engine bay. So I'm like, cool. I'm gonna do it like that because that's gonna cover any imperfections, anything that's not shaved or whatever. So be it. Like, graffiti yeah, okay, isn't yeah. meant to look perfect and nice just like the back wall right here it's not meant to look per it's meant to look raw mm -hmm. and that just goes from you know my past my culture just the things that i've grown up with mm -hmm. and then once i did that i just thought like you know what fuck it dude this is the i have so many parts left over this car is gonna be my fun build the sirs i did the bad thing of building it for shows and trying to be perfect and trying to be in magazines and shit you know and that that stuff it, it at, in hindsight it wasn't the best idea really? that i should have done it for because that cars went through like so many different changes yeah. you know All kinds so of iterations when i got the the this car i did the the engine band like, okay what what can i do next boom lambo doors ever since fast and furious came out i always wanted lambo doors <laughs> Threw Lambo doors on it. Underglow That's did the crazy. same thing. Nitrous um, uh, purgers, you know. But then I, that I tapped into the other side of me that wanted things to look clean, sleek, and yeah. as minimalist as possible. So I tucked all the wiring on the inside, and yeah. that, that that's insane. Yeah, I was showing Wait. you that. Yeah, and um, the state that the car is at right now, you think that it's gutted, but put the car, put the doors back on, and plug just put small in. things. Yeah, plug everything in. You're ready to go. So I I built that car with with attention to every step of an enthusiast that i've been from mm -hmm. the kid who didn't even have a car to yep. the business owner aspect of it all using it for marketing and working with these brands that yep. I, and embedded these brands into the graffiti not just putting a sticker on the windshield right, right, right. you know high or hasport excuse me uh rye wire in their checkered sports k-tuned all those guys they they helped me make this vision become a reality yeah. so it, that car is going to live on and who knows where that's going to go in the future but i'm excited to see it, it go somewhere cool man and hopefully <laughs> the story lives on yeah it will know? i mean it will as long as you tell your side of the story to the new owner i mean it will go on forever yeah and cool. then uh, and that car i mean the car's been everywhere on the internet so yeah everybody knows that car hell yeah dude and i know ryan hegner's listening right now and <laughs> he thinks a totally different way about that car he's like what the fuck happened to my car ryan is one guy that i've never gotten to know oh I, dude I, I know him i know of him and i i recognize him yeah from all the events and uh photographies he's been in and things like that but uh i've never had the chance to actually chat with him and it's, that's one guy that i would like to know you have to bro yeah. you have to go to grid life you should go, dude. Yeah, so Throttle has actually been in, in conversation with Grid Life about, no getting, shit. Get, about getting involved. In fact, we're building a car right now that um, if you've listened this long, you deserve this little Easter egg, but Let's I'm hoping to uh, to race that out at Grid Life. In Atlanta? Uh, at more of them than that. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's not a personal thing. It's it's a Throttle car yeah, that yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're building, but I, I see it being a car that we can all take and enjoy at the track and grid life is sort of the goal for that shout out to fucking grid life dude, dude they've come up yeah they're I very smart dudes i remember chris from back when i was going to import alliance and he was telling me about the idea of grid life before it became anything it's so hard to do um do events nowadays and do something fresh you know it seems like 
I don't know if you feel this way, but uh, and no offense to any of my event promoter friends out there, people that own events, car shows have become this sort of cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing and and it's not a bad thing because I enjoy car shows. I I really like going and enjoying the people that I meet and and seeing the cars. But it's always you know either an indoor venue or an outdoor parking lot. Um, bunch of cars parked around randomly and. There's really nobody setting a trend that's different. And it, uh, in the past couple years, I mean, there was the hot import nights craze that sort of changed the game, and now everybody started doing. Everybody was doing that model, and then now we've got you know the auto cons of the world who who stepped it up and did the the stage deal where you pull the car. Mm-hmm. The yes, yes, on. yes. Um, you know, Stance Wars up in Seattle in the parking garage is super rad, very fast and furious vibe. Um, and those are the ones that sort of stand out to me, and then everything else is just kind of this like, oh, it's all kind of this run into the same. And it, I'm not saying it is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a car yeah. show, and that's what we anticipate car shows to be. But Grid Life, they really like grabbed a concept. And I remember when I first heard about it, I was like, not going to work. It ain't going to work. Yeah. And here they are a few years later, just crushing the game. And, uh, the amount of people I talk to and say, you have to get involved with grid life. It happens often. Dude, I don't even say that in a business way. I say that no, as I don't like either. A, I'm saying it as an fun, enthusiast. Yeah. Dude, when I went to grid life in 2016, I went to um, Atlanta grid life. We actually camped there and bro i had one of the best weekends ever dude we went to walmart <laughs> story so and often. rented all the equipment that we needed <laughs> rented <laughs> dude I, I i from walmart i rented a 20 person tent which can fit at least three queen size blow-up mattresses wait dude. so i want to know how that goes so oh it's perfect so if you guys want to rent anything from walmart it's the best dude you go in there you buy whatever you need and when you're done with it you bring it back and say that the product was inferior and there you go this tent didn't work this tent was too big this tent was too small this tent was cold this tent was hot or whatever it was you know the porridge was bad bro that's how it goes dude that it's a it's a corporation and that's that's how that's how they're built (laughs) my morals don't allow me to do such things they don't care dude (laughs) because i told i told the employees that we were just gonna return it after we did and they did not care either dude as much as walmart doesn't care about the mom and pop shops I mean, morally, you're right, but <laughs> that's a pretty funny story. But the sad thing is, is I know, also know of uh, a couple brands that attend events that actually uh, do the same thing, and they go get their six foot folding tables and an all easy day. up every event all day and bro. return it before all they day. head back to the airport. You know what? The respect that I do, I take the little legs off of them, the little the little rubber pieces. I'll take them off of them. Oh, so they don't get scratched. I'll, up. I'll leave the 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 paper on the top yeah. and I'll cover it with a tablecloth yeah. and then you just return it. Look, man, to to be able to do shows from California and to do a show in New Jersey, it's not the easiest no, thing, not, dude. dude. And especially to get our product over there. I'm literally carrying 150 pounds of hardware with me you every carry time. Carry it on. 50 pounds in one bag, 50 pounds in the other bag, a backpack full of shit, uh-huh. and then or yeah, a suitcase full of shit, like my carry-on, and a backpack with like underwear and socks just as small as possible. And that's like, okay, cool. If I need anything, I'll buy it there. Cl- clothes whatever. are optional. Yeah. Well, we got to get these bolts in. We got to figure this shit out, <laughs> right? You go, to, you go to Walmart, you go to Home Depot or whatever, you get these tables, you use it. I have like tablecloth that take the little legs off. Mm-hmm. And then once it's done, you go take it back. It, it, these are things that you have to do 
to make to things make it work. to make it work. You're not stealing from anybody. Nah. You're simply renting. <laughs> so you guys listening right now, rent your equipment, and I'll see you at Grid Life in August. Rent your equipment. <laughs> but this year, uh, Grid Life. Is teaming up with Ibok Meat. So yeah, Ibok Meat for the last couple of years have been doing a tour, and every year Ryan just expands it to more locations and mm-hmm. more locations. And um, I've been at if if I haven't been at every single one, I've probably just missed one. But I don't think I've even missed one wow. yet. Uh, we have like a really small knit group. It's mm-hmm. it's like uh, Ryan Hegner, Big Mike, myself, yeah. and then. Um, Sometimes it would be RC from RC's Garage, yep. Mike SI from Arizona, and then uh, Rywire. And when we all go together, and then um, sometimes my wife will go along with us, which oh, is cool. so tight, bro, yeah, because cool. th- those guys have become more than just automotive friends to yeah. me. So we all just mesh together perfectly. That's so cool. But Ryan will rent a big Airbnb and we'll all stay at the same house. And you're talking about a house like eight rooms, That's and we're sick. all in there. and all night dude we're just talking just about cars life everything just ideas spawning and it's awesome. that's what's gonna happen at grid life man and i'm oh. super excited for that yeah so throttle's been talking to them about potentially becoming the like a partner in some way shape or form but i i'm talking about you know going from a total grassroots standpoint yes aside from business Hell like, yeah. i would love to go there and just rip a car on the track and hang out and go to the concert and like what they're doing is such a great service to our community um from just it's just refreshing yeah i guess is the best way to put it definitely so, man shout when, out to them when you talk to chris you you see the passion oozing out of his eyes man like he he saw the vision of grid life before it even was a concept to me like i i didn't think anything of what it could be yeah there was another event out there on the east coast i think it was called Hyperfest or something like that and it was very much similar they had you know an, an act at the end of the night after the day was over of concert um and it was very similar um, but i think that the boys at grid life kind of took it one step further and really turned up the wick and made it awesome yeah and uh i look forward to attending my first one dope man um i hope to see you in atlanta I think that that would be super uh, rad, bro. I don't think I can make it in August. No? Um, yeah, unfortunately, August, September, October is really bad months for me, personally. Um, my father comes out from Ohio for a Got month you. and stays with me. And um, if you guys watch the Throttle YouTube channel, you've seen Big Jeff on there. He, he helped us get the uh, RX-7 ready last year. Um, and then uh, I just have a lot of family visiting in and out of town and sema's looming and oh. there's always the dreaded all-nighter sema build yes. stuff and so yeah the this part of the year is um is my favorite that part of the year is my favorite because of all that activity but it's also my least favorite because i just don't relax at all same bro <laughs> yeah when sema starts coming around you know that uh. just these sleepless nights are gonna come around I keep telling myself I'm never going to do a SEMA car build again, but somehow I keep getting duped into doing these things. <laughs> I feel you, man. The reward is good at the end. The reward yeah. of uh, you know getting the car there on the floor and get wiping it off the one last time before the show opens is like, ah, then you go have that first beer the first night and it all feels good. But then you're like, I'm never doing this ever, ever, ever again. And then you find yourself in the same boat nine months later. I I enjoy 
all of the uh the the stress when we're at the the dub party and everybody's there just having a great time and you get to connect with people yeah. on different levels than yeah. just sponsorships and cars and yep. things like that yeah it was pretty cool and i bought the rx7 last year from the ex-editor of super street the first time i saw him again after the transaction was at the dub party oh really and the car had been completely taken from nothing to what it is today and uh he was pretty stoked he hadn't he didn't know anything about it he didn't watch any youtube videos he didn't no i was texting him updates he didn't respond ever like which is fine yeah um but um i showed him the finished product at the dub party he was like holy cow you guys went crazy that nine months dude that's a that's a good feeling (laughs) nine months we did it in three months to see uh to see his car yeah on its next journey in life that's that's an awesome thing to see yeah what's cool about that rx7 is i actually built it to his vision not mine really yeah so all the parts it came with i used on the car except for the headlights that's the only thing i didn't get rid of he had like these early 2000s like you take the pop-up headlights out and you put these buckets in it has like these halo headlights they were very cool back then i guess got you i never got into them but that's the only thing i didn't use on the car and that's the the bad apple one mm-hmm. right yeah sick dude. so i version one of that car which is what it is right now was basically his vision for the exterior none of the hood is all me but uh the color everything dope man so the idea was to finish it his vision because he was kind enough to sell me the car and then now i can move on to the car came out great man Thank um you. i i can't tell you which one i like better because that 240 the orange one that one grew on me tough bro i watched uh, the uh, i'm not even a rocket bunny kit fan <laughs> came I, out I, so I fell in love with good, the thing dude i was watching one of the videos and just seeing all the attention to detail that that you took on that car you and the guys it just everything just flowed yeah so perfectly so that that brings me to my next question what's uh what's next yeah um it's a hard act to follow and I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't worried about how I'm going to do one better. Yeah. Um, because I pretty much pull out all the stops on that one, Ricky and I. But, uh, yeah, uh, the next car we're giving away is a 335i. So reaching back into our bag of tricks, we're going with a Euro car this time. Evan's a big BMW fan. Uh, Rick's a, or a Porsche and Mercedes-Benz fan. So we, we've got some Euro roots in the company, and I also had the E91 wagon. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to build that one and give it away next. Um, and then we've got two concurrent projects that are potential giveaways. But yeah. uh, one of them is one of the cars I was referring to about taking the track. So Nice um one of them will be a keeper and potentially the other one will get given away so we've got a we've got a full plate we've got four projects going on at once right now and all of all of these projects are on the channel now yep yeah you can follow all of them uh two of them two of them are getting kicked off currently and the 335 and the uh toyota mr2 have been ongoing and then the porsche we just finished is going to go off the paint we're just wide body so we've been doing a lot of cutting <laughs> yeah lately hence my band <laughs> um, i think i've become the u.s version of nakai i've just been cutting cars like every day cutting fenders off of cars and putting on over fenders and um but if i said i wasn't having fun 
I'd be lying. Cause That's all that matters, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah, blast. bro. Speaking of fun, are you going back to Auto Salon this year? Yes. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, actually, we just had that meeting yesterday, so the Throttle team will be present. Oh, dude, Auto dope, So all the guys are going to go. I'm excited, man. I, I know, know about, I think TJ will probably go as well. We, we ran into you guys like 17 times <laughs> in January. Yeah, the white boys are all getting around. <laughs> Going to the same places. Yeah, dude, but it, it would be cool if we get to hang out over there, man. No, I, we will for I sure. always enjoy the times in uh, in Auto Salon. Yeah, it's so cool over there. It's such a different world, and I challenge anybody that hasn't been to Japan to go there and not be impressed with... Uh, the quality of life there the cleanliness hell yeah. it's just uh it's a whole new world over there it's not what you anticipate uh until you go there and then it's like yo this is my favorite country to travel to 100 percent, dude everybody listening right now auto salon is in january you don't need any special thing to get in you nope. just need a ticket it's not like SEMA. if if you can save thirty five hundred dollars and that is a lot yeah that's thirty five hundred dollars yeah with that's a set of wheels. People listening right now have no problem spending $3,500 on a set of wheels and waiting a year and a half yep, to get to these get wheels them. done. Yeah. Guys, this is life experiences that is going to change your outlook on life. Any excuses that you have, anything about, I don't speak the language, I don't like the food, all of that is erased. <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. They have Burger Kings, yeah. they have Starbucks, McDonald's, McDonald's whatever. 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven. bomb food, by the way. Dude, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. The, the egg sandwiches, those are my favorite. Ash loved those, dude. Yeah. Uh, we actually saw some at a 7-Eleven here, and I was like, nah, nah. Man, not the same. <laughs> no. If you like the egg sandwiches, which is one of my favorites, 7-Eleven, you have to try the pancake sandwich. Oh, no shit. Oh, man. I just gave away my secret. <laughs> dude, I'm trying so those. They bro. only put, I think, like four or six of them at each 7-Eleven. But there's 7-Elevens all over the place. In yeah. Japan. But um, it's two pancakes uh-huh. as the bread. And then in between is uh, syrup and butter. Uh-huh. No and shit. And it comes in a clear plastic wrapper. And you just pop it open. Dude. I love Japan, bro. <laughs> we we've we've actually been throwing around the idea that maybe in the future sometime to spend like a year in Japan, you know? How how hard can it really be? Just rent a place in Japan and well, just Yeah, it's not hard know? at all. It's it's more so the language barrier for me. Um the nice thing is is that Japan does a really good job of uh teaching their students English. Yes. So oftentimes you you know you find yourself lost on the train or something. Someone will come up to you and it may be broken English, but you can understand it well enough to say, trying to go here, and they say, okay, take the red line, boom to here to here, boom. Yeah. So there is a lot of English speaking people in Japan. Um, they may not be obvious, but they're there. Yeah. And uh, don't be scared. You should don't. go, <laughs> guys. That's awesome. Plan it right now. As you're listening to this right now, once the podcast is over, go plan your trip. If somebody it's goes January, to right? yeah January, if somebody goes to Auto Salon because of this podcast, I'll take you out to dinner. Hell yeah, right? Yeah, and we'll see how big that dinner gets. <laughs> Dude, we could all get Japanese barbecue, grub, oh, so and have fun. a great time, man. I guarantee it'll change your life. It'll be one of the best things that you did. It'll be way better than wheels. The other destination I like, and you should take them up on that offer because it's pretty dope. I definitely will. Um, the I'll join as well. The what's that? If people come out to Auto Salon, I'll join as well. Oh, yeah. hell yeah, dude. Um, New Zealand. 
New Zealand. Yeah. So last year I went out. So I worked for Mad Mike for a couple of years, uh-huh. and that's obviously where he's from. Um, never been. So last year he he holds an event called Summer Bash, which is ironically enough during our winter because they're in New Zealand. And uh, so I flew out there with TJ and Calvin, and uh, I had been there previously. What the hell did I go out there for? Can't remember. Anyway, so it was my second time, and we took in Mad Mike Summer Bash event, and oh my god, was it awesome! No shit. So I've already bought my tickets to go again. When is year. it again? It's December sixth and seventh this year. Really? So it's like you go to New Zealand for a Summer Bash, check that out, which is super rad. And then this year we're gonna go to South Island, New Zealand, and check out a bunch of spots there. And then I come back for a few weeks, and then it's off to Japan for Auto Salon. So it's gonna be a dope end of the year for me, dude. Mickey, we should really do this, bro. Mickey and Frank's <laughs> let's go uh, auto salon dinner. Yeah, see who's man enough let's to make go. it out there, bro. That'll be really Book it cool. Up. Before we go, before we get out of here, you you brought up Calvin, dude. I, I would watch some of the podcasts that him and TJ were doing. Was yep. it Calvin and TJ podcast? Yep. And a lot of subjects he would bring up uh, were really intriguing to me dude <laughs> it seems like he's got a lot going on in that brain besides car stuff he's a unique cat um very cool dude um but yeah there his his mentality is on another level um i don't oftentimes understand calvin but it's not because uh i don't want to like i i actually appreciate his the differentiation of thought that he has versus mine is we're on two totally ends, other yeah. ends of the spectrum, which is awesome. Like he and I will sit down and have conversations and you're, you're just be sitting there going, what the hell is going on right now? And that's more <laughs> down my road, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Calvin's such a neat cat. Um, and you know, I get to spend every, pretty much every day with him and TJ. So it's interesting to, uh, interact with those guys being much younger than me like i came to the realization today that i graduated high school the same year tj was born so i'm, <laughs> I'm literally old enough to be his father i was 18 when he was born um, wow so yeah it's neat to um have them around because um i feel like i can help sort of mentor them a little bit yeah. in the car scene but i'm learning heaps from them too definitely because uh tj is an expert in the youtube space uh calvin is growing uh his um twi- twitch, his right? twitch yeah. channel which is going swimmingly for him and uh so i'm learning a lot about that from him which is cool and uh yeah it's neat to to be around those guys every day definitely i i, I would i would this is my invite to calvin i would love to have him on the podcast because I would want to talk about um, a lot of crazy shit that he, <laughs> he wants to talk about, dude. I'm all ears. I remember they were talking I about... I never got to be on the podcast. <laughs> no? I was sitting in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> there was one episode where, where he was talking about um, lucid dreaming. Yeah. And as he's talking, I'm engaged. And I just see TJ just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? No, TJ is... TJ knows all about that shit too. Yeah, yeah, because we've had this conversation. Really, yeah. dude. Th- these are the kind of conversations yeah. I-, I I like to get okay. into, bro. We'll this- save that for the next time I come up. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> man. Calvin, we got to get you on here, bro. But dude, much love to you, bro. You're you're killing it out here, man. And, Thanks, bro. And you, Likewise, you are. You're definitely a really good example of somebody who just 
can make a career in this industry no matter what happens no matter how many changes you've been able yeah. to to Adapt. to brand yourself as as one of the members of the community and no matter where you end up you're always going to thrive dude cool, and man. i applaud you. you for that dude appreciate that of course bro so everybody listening right now where can they find you at uh on instagram just my name mickey android and uh throttle Dope, so if you man. don't subscribe already, please do that. We're uh, trying to get to a million. That's, that's what are you guys at right now? Uh, Four hundred and thirty thousand, I think. Four hundred and thirty, dude. I I have a feeling you could do a mid mid, maybe at the end of the year. We're hoping. Yeah, that's a goal. You know what my goal is, and I'm gonna need your help with this. I need some tips and tricks. I want to get Downstar to a hundred k. We're about eighty one right now. A hundred k is a. I don't want to go off on. a another tangent but 100k is a big benchmark yeah it's, when you hit that 100k it's it's a good feeling i'm trying bro uh, i i could definitely be trying harder no but like that, i said that's earlier, my, that's my goal it's a consistency game and and understanding what it takes to to be consistent and, and make it a job it's a job and people have to look at it like a job definitely man yeah. and i'm on my hustle every day so everybody listening right now make sure you follow at downstar <laughs> we know you're hustling bro we see you out there Mickey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, brother. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Episode 83, Downtime with Downstar. We out. Peace.